problem. The jewels gleaming on it. And she is there. She is waiting for me. She has waited all these years. Joseph. Shirok. Yes, my brother. It is I. The last guardian. The one you must pass to reach your goal. The one her dark majesty commanded be present if the trumpets should sound. And I might have known it would be you who foolishly tripped my trust. Jocelyn calls. We must go. No, my friend. No one's going anywhere. Kiribon! <laughs> I, I can't. Some kind of spell. You wear the black robes now? Uh, I can't see. In this light. Yes, my brother. And you, you... You look stronger. Different. Like you. You're, you're not like you. That is a long story, Garamon. In time, you may come to hear it. But now you are in a very bad situation, my brother. The Draconian Guards are coming. Their orders are to capture the Everman and take him before the Dark Queen. That will be the end of him. He is not immortal, I assure you. She has spells that will unravel his existence, leaving him little more than thin threads of flesh and soul wafting away on the winds of a storm. Then she will devour his sister, and at last the Dark Queen will be free to enter Kryn in her full power and majesty. She will rule the world, and all the plains of heaven and the abyss. Nothing will stop her. But, but, but don't understand. No, no, of course not, dear brother. You stand next to the Everman, the one being in all of Kryn who can end this war and drive the Queen of Darkness back to a shadowy realm. And you don't understand. The Everman has only to take a few more steps, my brother, and he will be reunited with his sister, who has endured unspeakable agonies during these long years of waiting for his return to free her from her self-imposed prison. And then what will happen? The wedge will be removed, my dear brother, and the door will slam shut. The Dark Queen will be left howling in rage in the depths of the abyss. This, the Temple of Istar reborn, perverted by evil, will fall. No, I am not lying. Not that I cannot lie when it suits my purpose. But you will find, my dear brother, that we are close enough still so that I cannot lie to you. And in any case, I have no need to lie. It suits my purpose that you know the truth. Then, then you know what I must do, Rast. You may be powerful, but you still have to concentrate to work your magic. If you work it against me, Baron be free of your power. Kill him. Only the Dark Queen can do that, I suppose. So that leaves you, my dear brother. Yes, I can kill you!
Lord Caramon. With Tannis' unwitting help, I was able to rid myself of the one man upon Kryn who could have bested me. Now, I am the most powerful force of magic in this world. And I will become more powerful still when the Queen of Darkness is gone. He's released me! The spell is lifted! Chaucerer, I'm coming! Remember, my brother, this happens because I choose it to happen! Chaucerer, can you forgive me? Oh, dear brother, between us, there is nothing to forgive. Barrow! You failed! It was nothing! Oh. It's over, Kiramon! The Everman is dead! second floor guest room filled with tall ales and taller tales. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents Dungeons and Weeds! <laughs> observers of Dark Wizard High Dive Impalement and Brotherly Immolation. This is the Dungeons and Dweebs Podcast, Episode 6, Dragons of Spring Dawning, Part 2. And just a word of advice, if you give a girl a ring and she hurls it off a cliff, you should have gone to Jared's. I am your host, Bob. Although you can't see it from where you stand, I have a fistful of her hair. Quithpaw, Benthic, Elf Dolphin the Eighth. But I'm not alone. Across the table from me, the man who would gleefully impale himself on a gem-studded pillar just so he could learn the arcane secrets of Fistendentalus. Luke! I, what does that even mean? What the- <laughs> I was wondering when I read it in the book. <laughs> oh, well, here we are. I, I know I said it last time. It's just bittersweet to be here. Our last podcast for the Dragonlance Chronicles, wrapping up Spring Dawning. Uh, it's I don't even know. I, I'm just I'm just let's just get into this thing. You know what? I'm just gonna pass it over to my left. You know what? He's not much smaller than the Womp Rats. I used to bullseye with my T16 back home. He's Klob. <laughs> Hello, boys and girls. Your old Uncle Klob is feeling much better this time around, and I feel like there's a distinct possibility that I've changed over from Earth 9591 to Earth 616 and regained my correct mutant powers. <laughs> <laughs> the days are getting shorter. The nights are getting longer. You know what that means? It's time to break out the defunct Stan Lee's NHL Guardians while you watch some hockey. Across the table from me is the man with less of a plan than whoever is in charge of the team of blind, deaf, leprous spider monkeys that are currently writing the Transformers movie universe. <laughs> the, man who's, the man whose beard is so full and silky that it garners the envy of Volstagg the Lion. Look it up. Paul, how are you feeling? I'm doing all right. I'm down. I'm a little under the weather, but I think it'll be good to sit here in this uh, room talking about the Dragonlance series again 
and wrapping up this entire series. Klob did breathe on us last time. I think that exactly. might be we were all locked in a small room. Yeah. Now you're all locked <laughs> in a small room. It's my fault. It's yeah. my fault. It's just going to keep mutating and passing between I was us. Say, now you're all locked in a small room. But I mean, you know, originally, I, I was sick on like episode one and two, so maybe this is just coming full circle. Yeah, yeah I don't that's know what's true. going that's on. That's true. <laughs> well, I can't believe it. This is it. The end of Dragonlance for wow. us here uh, for, for, for a while here yeah. until we get back to the summer. It's kind of scary. It it is. All we know is Dragonlance for this <laughs> podcast. Like, what are, yeah, really. Uh, that's true. How do we start doing sci-fi intros? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you guys have heard that. Bold oh, yeah. new Paul, frontiers. You're, Paul, you're leaving us. Yes, I We're am bring, for a small period of time. Small period of time. Yeah. Paul will be back. We're bringing in friend of the show, Neil, to fill his place while we go through the Red Rising trilogy. I, it, is that what it's called? Maybe yeah. Neil, maybe Neil will have a plan. Maybe maybe we can he hold. will. But yeah, we've got Neil coming in, and we're going to be hitting some sci-fi with yeah, true the Red Rising trilogy. In fact, uh, we're we only have one piece of feedback. The the way the schedule kind of works, um, our shows actually are being recorded really close together. Yeah. Super so between close. the time of the release episodes of the last fun. episodes and when we're recording this one, are at literally the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, <laughs> we released uh, episode five at noon today, and we're recording episode. Episode six at five p.m. Right, so I'm going to throw it out with 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 right away uh, our one piece of feedback that we got in that small amount of time from Steve on Facebook. He says, "Awesome, you guys are great," and I'm almost finished with Red Rising for the October read. And I think it's so awesome that we have listeners who have looked at the calendar, know we're going to Red Rising, and are already prepping for that. I think that is so cool, crazy, well, cool. exactly. And it's going to be a little bit of a changeover for the show too, just because of the fact that we're going to be jumping into this new genre. We're going to have a new person in the fourth seat for a little bit. Uh, not that we don't love you, Paul, and we will you know, wish you to come back. Always. I'll be back. Don't I mean, worry about you, that. You will geographically be here. You do live in the same house in mean, the studio. <laughs> I, will, I will be here. I'll be downstairs playing Forza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might be. I don't know. When you're if listening I, to the show, he, he will be downstairs <laughs> breathing. I mean, it's the same. The microphone's not that good. Yeah. Anyway, hey, why don't we, you know what, let's grab around, do a quick tavern talk, because we have Two out of three books to cover for Ooh, Dragons of Spring Oh, man. I won't lie. The last show, we thought we were going to get through book two. We did not. We only got through book one. We've got two of them to hit tonight. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Well, hey, I tell you what, you guys, it's finally my turn. I'm hey. feeling better tonight. Uncle Clob's got a little cash in his pocket, Uncle so Clob. I'll buy this round. All, All right, right. Let's, let's take go. a look on it. What was in a relationship oh, I swear to you, man. with the woman with the blue board. dragon? She brought me up to her room Boy, last did she have good Where's day? my coin purse? Why don't you fellas follow me into my couch? I'll show you how my glory is good. What'll it be, boys? Tavern talk. Well, all right, here we are all cozied up by the fire. My feet are kicked back. My boots are drying out. And I'm ready to go around and hear uh, how your guys' week has been. Luke, what do you got? Well... I've been editing episode five. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's what I've been doing. Um, but you know what I did? I got a piece of news th this week, and it's some, a little something to bring up for our Magic the Gathering fans out there. Uh, we have a new set that is coming out, I think it's December or January. It's sometime way sooner than I thought it would be. It's called Unstable. 
it is like a funny set like they did back in the day, like Unhinged, where it's just all these funny cards. Oh, I mean, yeah. they have it's full art lands, and the lands are beautiful. I got to check these out on a spoiler site. Nice. Uh, the lands are beautiful, and the only artifact that they've revealed so far is the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So, although not a big Dungeons and Dragons player, I am a pretty big Magic: The yes. Gathering player, and yeah, I w- I've I've not been into it for a while. I haven't bought a few of the last sets. I don't know what it was yeah. about it. Actually, we we I think. All, all, of us, of all of us at this table have been on the same page, and even yeah. you know, people who are, I'm, I'm that I'm just friends with have been on the same page. It's like, what the heck has been going on with these sets that? It, it took a while to notice it, what has been going on with these magic sets that have came out and just not interested anybody. Right. I mean, like, we I were. Know. I know, but all of us at the table really actually kind of found each other and uh, you know became friends and really started playing. It might have been like our first bonding yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, through in the Innistrad, uh, you know, kind of when they came back with the first first set of Innistrad and stuff, and a lot of us mm-hmm. had played way back in the day. Um, but yeah, some of the stuff Ammon Ket should have been right up I, by I, wheelhouse. I, yeah, I've looked at the cards Egypt, after, and I don't know for some reason I've just been sitting on the sideline not getting involved. But, and even and dinosaurs, I was a dinosaur guy when I was a kid. I don't know, dinosaurs were. Don't you, you collect these weird, like, super gory, like, dr- like dinosaur trading cards? Oh my gosh! Yeah, if anybody knew back in the early '90s, late '80s, I think it was '88, '87, uh, Tops did its weird foray into you know bizarre cards, kind of like the Garbage mm-hmm. Pail Kids, and there was a there's a line of cards called Dinosaurs Attack. God, uh, image search that on it's Google. Super <laughs> it's <laughs> fact, super weird. And I remember yeah. getting those. Is it was eighty eight because eight year old me <laughs> uh, got those from the the dime store. And I remember sitting in the back of the car, and my mom was like, "So, uh, Bobby, yes, do you like your dinosaur cards?" And just looking at as this little girl Mom, is blowing weird. the guts out of one of the dinosaurs, and this woman's losing her head to a giant dragonfly, and just kind of like. Yeah, I love him, Mom. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Mom. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I mean, that, and that's really, it's been the, the only, like, sort of, like, exciting nerd thing coming. I guess, I don't know, Thor Ragnarok is coming out soon. I'm excited for that. Yeah, but let's cool. not get into Marvel because we'll be talking for half an hour. I'm just going to throw it over to Claw. <laughs> you got anything exciting going on? So. Um, well, like I s- talked about in my intro, it is hockey season. I am a huge hockey fan. One of the things that I always enjoy looking up is actually in 2011, the NHL contracted Stan Lee to make all of the mascots the NHL Guardians. What? And all of the mascots became Marvel Super, became Stan Lee superheroes in 2011. (laughs) And they are just awesome. We have the, you know, we go through things like the Canadian who kind of looks like, you know, Cobra. (laughs) And we we go through this. One of my favorites has got to be the duck, even though I hate the ducks. Um, (laughs) As as you go through and look at these, I encourage you, look them up. Mm. Um, This was this contract that Stan Lee did for the NHL, and I always go through these at the beginning of the hockey season because I get such a big kick out of seeing some of my favorite and some of my most hated mascots Mm. um, from my NHL teams. uh, Why uh, Why don't you copy that link Send it over to me. I'll tweet it out. We'll put it on Facebook. And there you go. This will go out around the time that this episode comes out. Exactly. Yeah. You, it just goes to prove that you can be nerdy and a little sporty at the same time. <laughs> um, other than that, again, like I mentioned in my intro, wa- watch the newest Transformers movie that is 
completely convoluted, and that's just where I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Disappointing. To, you mentioned eight-year-old you, eight-year-old me with the old Transformers cartoon mm -hmm. show, the mm -hmm. original actual little Transformers action figures. Such a big Transformers fan. I wanted so much from any of these movies, and <laughs> other than geeking out a little bit every time Peter Cullen talks, <laughs> that's all I have, and it disappoints me so much. But on that note, Paul, you're sick. Have you been nerding out while you're sick? Not really. I've been just trying to sleep. I mean, yeah. I, I, that's that's my 100% honesty there is just trying to get some sleep. I will occasionally play some video games, but nothing too crazy. Play or, some Forza. Or batter your sore throat trying to do Caramon. Okay, that, <laughs> one, that one hurt a little bit. Especially I, I all the screaming on this yeah, last Yeah, that last one really, <laughs> near the end of it, my voice just kind of went, okay, you're done. So I was, I was kind of glad to be done with that. It looked like an episode of the, not an episode, a movie, a scene out of the Blair Witch Project. Paul's just standing <laughs> in a corner screaming <laughs> Screaming and shaking frantically. <laughs> what can I say? I, I get into the part. Yeah, so. it's, it's awesome. And the fever. And, yeah, <laughs> and the fever. That is awesome. All right, Bob, what about you? Well, Paul, from the from episode one, I've got a piece uh, of of kind of tavern talk that I have been saving because I, with all the reading of Dragonlance and all the note taking and all the editing and making intros and all that kind of stuff, have not had the time to sit down and, and read uh, this book, but there was an author. Episode one, an author reached out to us. His name is Mick McArt. Um, he messaged, messaged us saying he liked the show. He had a book that he'd love to send to us and check out uh, that it should be right up our alley. Uh, it was called Journal of an Outlaw. And so for the last week, I've picked that up, having finished Spring Dawning and not moved on yet to Red Rising, you know, just getting started. I gave it a read. Um, and so... Uh, I wanted to give it kind of the Dungeons and Dweebs treatment. So if you, if you uh, listen up, listeners, uh, this is kind of uh, one of the excerpts out of the book. It sounds kind of like this. So there I sat amongst all the dead and dying. It was one of the most brutal dungeon battles my mostly dead party had ever seen. Orcs, skeletons, kobolds, ogres, and even a couple dozen battered field mice lay bleeding over the floor of the Orc King's treasure room. Only Fogbrain, that very king, and a few of his troops remained standing. Thank you for the battle, the treasure, and your heads! He cried out in a nearly exhausted laugh. He was addressing me and my heavily wounded teammate. Bowhammer Strongwhiff. He noticed me crawling over to the dead cleric and ordered a warrior to stumble over and snatch the bag I was reaching for. Oh, nah, you don't, he said before reaching into the bag. Passions are healing. Oh, wonderful, he said as he passed one around to each of his men. They all gave each other a big toast for winning the battle and gulped down the magical brew. <laughs> Now ye die! He choked before falling to his knees, his troops falling in unison. Bohammer looked at me in amazement. He stammered, breathing heavily. The cleric and I switched vials before the battle. I panted. 
pulling us out a couple of them from my pack. Orcs aren't the cleverest, Reese. The orcs' bodies all fell over with a thud at the same time as we both clinked our vials together before gulping down our potions. Yeah, so as you heard, uh, the main character just, it's, it's kind of all these, the book is done through all of these, like, journal entries okay. uh, that, he, you know, mm -hmm. from adventures that he's, he's done. Um, and a lot of it, I mean, I would say it skews, you were talking, Luke, at the top of the show about the new Magic the Gathering set yeah. and, and being, you know, kind of like unglued and unhinged were these kind of comedic takes on like a seri more serious card genre. Mm -hmm. This is very like a comedic take, I would say, on like Dungeons and Dragons fantasy genre. Okay. Um, it, I found myself giggling in a lot of places. I mean, uh, there's a lot of throwbacks to classic D&D. Uh, &D. Like, the place that this book takes place is called the Unremembered Realms. <laughs> you know, instead of Forgotten Realms, right? Oh, I, like I think it. that's what I should refer to as a portion of my college years. The Unremembered, <laughs> the unremembered <laughs> Realms. Yeah, right. You no, know, right. remember that one time you did the headstand in your underwear? That's That was in the Unremembered Realms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's some characters here and allusions to characters that are from you know, like, kind of, especially if you're somebody who played, and again, not being a huge D&D, -er, there's probably a lot here that I didn't grasp, you know, that was over my head. Um, but uh, I did know the Unremembered Realms reference. Uh, mm -hmm. But Silvara, there's like a reference, one of the, okay. one of the journal entries has uh, a silver-haired character in it named Silvara. Okay, a little, little Dragonlance. Maybe, little maybe dra that's where, that, that has to be where he found us. Yeah, maybe know. he's like listening to Dragonlance going, hey, you know, uh, I used to read it, kind of threw a nod into my book about it. Uh, a lot of just kind of funny, satirical references uh, to real-world things. I kind of love it. Like, one of the journal entries does a thing where they go to the starvation army and it's kind of this whole play on it. So like, I took it as being like the salvation oh, army. Oh, the salvation okay. and, and, like, <laughs> and like what they do. Like there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of It's almost like if you took all of the things you do in your real world, going going shopping, you know, your conversations with people and gave it like that D&D &D twist of what it would be like to role play that in a fantasy world is is kind of like how I took it. It's very lighthearted and kind of uh, comedic. And, and so uh, I thought it was kind of funny. He's got a knife that he calls McGurk. I don't know. Every time it come out, because that's the name it sounds, or that's the sound of it when it goes in and out of a body. is McGurk. Yeah, and some of his naming structure just makes me kind of giggle. Like, there's this one character named... I can't even say it. Uh, Piddlepeck Mud Pants. <laughs> I can't what? think of like, you... Piddlepeck Mud Pants sounds like a gully door. Uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah, like yeah, a sure. yeah, yeah. Right next to the Fudge Master, we had his like uh, his few master named Piddlepeck Mud Pants. Um, all right, so we are called. Okay, so looking at this, some cool cover art as well. Look yeah. at it. It's called Journal of an Outlaw. It's by Mick McArt. By all means, folks, pick it up. He's a supporter of the show. Right. What I would say is uh, go to Amazon. Uh, it's there. There is like 10 pages of the novel. Uh, so you know you can give it a give it a read through uh, and see. Oh, if, like one of those free reads. Yeah, you know okay, they cool, like cool. a preview, a preview, preview, preview. the that, preview, yeah, you know, see inside yeah. me or whatever it says on there. <laughs> Look inside this. Okay, there what, you go. Whatever it is, that reminds me of college as well. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, go on over to Amazon, check out Journal of an Outlaw, and uh, and give it a read. See what you what you think. If it seems up your alley, give it a give it an order. I mean. 
Mick McGart, he's a friend of the show. We're a friend of his. Yeah. And, maybe, and maybe he'll come uh, up with uh, another book someday. A we'll fellow, have a fellow dweeber, if you will. Uh, I, yeah, uh, yes, you a dweeber. Go. Are you a, a dweeber? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. We're, you're just dweebers. Just dweebers. Uh, anyway, all right. Hey, we got a lot to get through here. Two out of three books. Dragons of Spring Dawning. Let's hop into this. But I believe it's Bob's turn to buy us around. Hey, yeah. I've been Mr. Negative on a lot of these. I think I owe you all around. All right, let's go. Ooh, tell me more. It's a DeLorean, isn't it? Scales, you're always in my face. I might have driven a DeLorean here. I pull up a chair, friend. All right, let's start it off with book two, chapter one, Spring Dawning. And we're in the city of Calaman, and it's having a Spring Dawning Festival. Hey, there's the name of the book right there, Spring Dawning. Roll credits. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> well, that's, they, that's the name of the book. <laughs> you know what? And again, uh, from the last podcast, I had been saying that uh, this book was just fixing so much for me. This is another one of those things. It's just old school gallantry and pageantry and it's heroes, uh, you know, and they're coming back and, you know, I can almost see all of the, f the flower petals coming down and they've just mm -hmm. won this massive battle. It is, it is not, it, it's again like there's real cities and nations that are involved and it's not so claustrophobic with just characters. It feels like now our heroes are coming into their own being heroes, fighting a giant Definitely. Yeah, like, I mean, I Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely I enjoyed this. It was world building. It gives some more to the arc of the knights. They're not just jerks anymore. They're actually heroes, you know, led under Lorana. And a nice comment about, you know, the arc of societies at this mm, point too. Mm -hmm. When the, you know, when when yes. when we left the last city that we were in, every you know the knights were bad and everybody was bad and the world was coming to an end. But <laughs> oh wait, you won the war. We'll clap so that way we'll, we'll we'll clap and we love you when you come back. Right. And right. that's true, and that makes you know that makes the world even that much more real because that's how people react. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They won't true. they won't very give true. you a crust of bread. I believe that's a line from the book. Yeah. Right. Until. They win. Yep. I know. I felt like we were pushing the Germans out of France. We're going under the Arc de Triomphe. It's just, it was all feeling really good. Yeah. Um, but then Taz, though, is off scouting, and this hooded cleric uh, oh. grabs him and gives him a message only for Lorana. Yes. Right. I mean, if you're going to give a message, yeah, give it to the kinder that probably can't remember half of what has been <laughs> who's, said. Who's in the middle of trying to break into the map shop, right? <laughs> hey, let he's me, just trying me, to update his maps and, you know, just take a peek. Let me give you a message. Oh, a message? I gave a message to somebody once. He was a dragon. He tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, again, I love this because there's actual, like, communications between the bad guys and the good guys. Like, real Very battle true. would be, Very right? Yeah. I mean, it's like the letters from Kitty Ara, and she wants to exchange uh, a, what she says is a dying Tannis yes. uh, for a guy named Bacaris. Um, she says that Tannis was wounded in a in the Battle of Vingard Keen. Mm -hmm. You know, and really at, at this point, like I, I was, I was a little, like, I was a little on the fence because the last we'd heard from Tannis, he was going on a maelstrom in the Blood Sea of Istar. And you know, did she capture him? Mm -hmm. Does she mm -hmm. actually have mm -hmm. him? That was a question that was going through my mind. Like, oh, did she, was, did she manage to like scoop him up real quick? Like, ha ha, I got your boyfriend, Lorana, <laughs> and I don't even care about him. Did anybody else get the feeling here too that Baracus was the previous bedmate of Kitiara before 
tennis showed up. Oh, okay. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was 100%. Here, I'm done with this one. That one was okay. I'll refresh myself over here. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, so uh, let's this. So the plan is then, right? Lorana is going to make the exchange, even though it, it, everybody no, advises against. Everybody, it. Well, yeah, because yeah, no. ev everybody advises here. It's a trap. Well, yeah, maybe a trap, but yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You got to further the plot a little bit. And here. I, I got it shows. I will say it shows Lorana's weakness a little bit, and, and so, I like that. So I got to give a shout out here to Brendan on Facebook because uh, I gave him a little one last show mm -hmm. thinking that we'd get to this point. Yeah. Um, and there, there, if there's parts in this book that I have huge problems with, I mean, there was an issue that I had here with like, okay, Lorana was just a rock star for me at the beginning of this and she's a yeah. warrior and everything like this. And then all of a sudden we're right back to just a stupid move and I, I wish I could read reread all of these books, redo this show with Brendan just sitting on the couch <laughs> next to me and every time, like like every five minutes when I have a mild aneurysm and throw something against the <laughs> wall, he could just like calmly be like, hey. You hey, know, I don't know Bob. that he has to be on the couch with you, maybe just get his phone number. Or get his yeah, phone number. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we can FaceTime this. But he's like, he says, yeah, Lorana falling for Kittyara's trap is Lorana's worst moment by far. She comes off looking like a complete idiot in that scene as she falls for such an obvious trap, the only time in Chronicles that Lorana ever seems stupid. And while Lorana's sudden idiocy can be explained, a close read of the chapter makes it pretty obvious she was drunk when she received Kittyara's message, it's still a horrible moment for the character. And then he does go on to say, though, the scene did inspire an awesome painting by Larry Elmore called The Ransom Note, which is a... I checked it out. I, I've seen that yeah, one as well. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, were, we were doing a little fact-checking, Bob. You came and talked to me about that. And I'm like, no, it's... I, 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 you know, I feel like Brendan and I were on the same wavelength as far yeah. as elven women are concerned. Um, <laughs> she's doing it for love. It's talked about tor more towards the end of the book. And, and really, we'll, we'll get into that when we get there. But it's... I'm there. I get it. Right. I totally get it. And what I like is Taz and Flint call this out as being stupid, uh, which I feel is something that wouldn't have happened in the last two books where just dumb plans go through and all our characters just fall in line. Whereas it's nice to see our characters kind of calling it out, you know, and saying, hey, this is not a, a great plan, you know, and they're not just doing things without justification. Well, then on to chapter two, there's a penalty to all this. The penalty of failure. Lord Ariakas arrives at Dargard Keep on the back of a red dragon. Can I just say, I love the atmosphere of this chapter, right? You have this dragon high lord who comes flying into, like, I'm just picturing some sort of 80s castled gray skull. But it's, <laughs> but it's, it's shaped, it says it's shaped like a destroyed rose, which I think is just awesome. Right, and he enters to you know to find it's it's almost got the Star Wars feel, almost like a you know the dragon lands, oh, almost like the yeah. shuttle yeah, the, yeah. The, the shuttle lands right, and it opens up and he comes walking. I can see him just striding across, and just then, just ticked, just, just ticked. out, out yeah. of the gate the minute he the minute we see him get off the dragon, he's yeah. just stomping forward. Ah, what's going on here? Yeah, and I love it because he like I can see him just like almost like kicking down doors and stuff, and then mm -hmm. he enters to find uh, this guy named. Garabanus, uh, who's a commander, uh, and he's buttoning his pants and putting on his shirt because it yeah. seems he's been keeping Kitiara busy. Somebody's yes. got to. Tannis not there. <laughs> yeah, actually, and I, and I, love the, I love the fact that he just walks by him and did, there's 
really not even a conversation. He no. just walks up and drops him. It just kicks him oh, in yeah. the chest or whatever, and he flies across the room. Like I like instantly. I'm like these bad guys are now really awesome. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. It's, 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 once, it's giving some depth. Once yeah. again, I'm gonna say it. They, Margaret Weiss and Hickman do bad good. Right. They really can write these evil characters and show the setting that just makes it seem so dark and horrible. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get even more information here about the the hierarchy of the bad guys. Right. Yep. That right. Like, it's not just everybody it's not just everybody and the big baddie. It's there's actually a military hierarchy that goes here and Ariakas is higher than pretty much everybody else at this yep. point. Right. But he speaks directly with the Dark Queen. Yeah, and I love this. I mean and again Weissen had been good at, at darkness, I think, but also I mean Hickman, I guess, is that one is the one who wrote that Silvara chapter where she's in the pool. They're also good at TNA <laughs> every once in a while for me. And I mean, he just like opens the door with his magic, and there's Kitiara naked on the bed, and he's and she's just, no, no, trying no. to cover herself with a nightgown and everything. And I love this kind of boy. I haven't said this word in an episode or so, but this juxtaposition <laughs> <laughs> of there's this kind of overt sexuality going on between a bunch of people who hate each other and are all vying for power. And I've always kind of found that like bad guys. That's a that's kind of a very um, compelling kind of thing where they're. They're kind of having these dalliances with each other, but at the same time want to kill each other. It's always intriguing to me and adds depth to the bad guys. Yeah, and it definitely it dives into like kind of the the evil mentality. Like if, this is a Dungeons and Dragons book. This is yeah. how evil characters behave in Dungeons and Dragons. Right. They're always you know fighting to be more powerful than whoever's like above them, and it's you know I mean you know he he, he would storm in there and not care you know. Like somebody's buttoning up their pants. Like don't don't give them a minute. Kick them in the chest. Yeah, and then we get this dark night. Oh, this Ooh. death night. Did anybody else think it was going to be Sturm? Yes, no. I did. I, I did. Actually, you were not. I did I, so did I. Wow, never saw. I never thought that. I was, I was like, I was like freaking out when I was reading the reading the description of him because I don't remember what he had on. His. Oh yeah, because he has yeah. this old. Oh yeah, the old armor. Yeah, yeah the yeah. old armor. Pretty with, with a rose. Yeah, I don't right. remember as, what. As soon as they started mentioning the old knight, I yeah. went, Oh, oh she okay, no, because of Sturm. course, yeah. because yeah. of of course, Sturm in the afterlife would not have his. New armor on. He would ha- he would be wearing his father's armor. Yes. Sturm's ghost would be wearing his I, father's armor. I, I, so I, yes, I won't I lie. My mind is kind of blown right here. Right. I'm like, okay, I I really like this Lord Soth. So we should say his name is Soth, and he comes, which, yeah. which is awesome. I really like this character, and I even thought his backstory was pretty cool. It was, but what you just said was better. Yeah, was so much. Better. <laughs> Can you imagine if uh, this would have been Sturm? Well, and when when the Some corrupted soul. Oh, when, that's awesome. When this Dark Knight comes into play here is I really thought, oh God, well they killed Sturm. Yeah. Are they good? Are they gonna knock Kitiara off right here? Yeah, because she's on her knees, naked uh, in front of Ariakas, and he's about to chop her head off. And uh, the 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 interplay between these characters, just even verbally, is I'm gonna just better than anything we have gotten so mm-hmm. far. Besides Raceland and Caramon and some of the stuff they say, I have not. I have not read anything that that is that is this good. I mean, this is a much higher standard of prose. Right here, I definitely than than what we've gotten, and then it comes around that Kit has this crazy cool plan where they have to pretend to be losing the war, 
and are, are going to attack Calaman, pres- presumably because under Lorana's command, they can't beat the knights. Right. So they have to take out... I mean, she's pretty much like a mascot. I, I don't, like, it's yeah. just yeah. something that is powerful, that has won a battle, that is going to rally the spirits of everybody, so they have to take her out. Right. So Kit's plan is to remove her from the equation and defeat them while they're down. And she kind of goes over this with Ariakis, and you kind of get like, this is like sort of the beginning of your hints of the power struggle. Right. I will say, I love this because they have plans. We are learning actual plans. We are seeing a a little bit of background here where, okay, yes, they're evil, but they're not just evil and dumb. They're right. smart. Right. I even have in my notes, uh, they have plans. See how much better the narrative becomes? <laughs> you know, just everything gets stronger. And part of this plan goes into that power struggle you were talking about, Luke, because I love this from, you know, my girl Kit. Oh, I would sign up for the Dragon High Army. <sighs> we know. Uh, where she actually went behind Ara- Arrakis's back and went to the Dark Queen herself and went right. to, to, to deliver this plan. And that's what ticks him off even more is she, she basically cut his legs out from underneath him here yeah. as the High Lord. And then all of a sudden we get this, both warriors are standing there, they're kind of arguing, they're kind of having this like ego battle between them. And all of a sudden we have this like weird ghosty like singing that starts up in the castle yeah. that... It makes mention of it, both of them get a shiver. Yeah. And it's like, how bad is this that both these hardened warriors get a shiver? And then we get this cool picture here of Lord Soth seated on his throne, kind of of surrounded by, you know, ghost courtesans? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Basically, yeah. And I just love this. I mean, even in my notes, I just have, could any of this get better? Like, I'm just, oh, this this is also atmospheric. And then we have... Help me out, Club. I don't know what this is. This isn't really a chapter. It's got a heading like a chapter, but it's not called anything. It's just called The Knight of the Black Rose. Uh, it's just some sort of interlude, I guess. Well, it's the story of Soth. It's sort of the story of Soth, but it's like labeled as a chapter, it's, it's but not definitely called. like inserted very oddly. It's oddly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know why this wasn't just a chapter or else like something else at the end of a chapter, but I, I kind love of, this. I kind of almost felt like. They got to the point here where they're like, "Well, we haven't we haven't inserted something in here, yeah, in a while. Yeah. We've done a couple songs, we've done a poem, <laughs> we had the weird, you know, Tannis's noir poem at the beginning of the story, <laughs> right? Let's just do a story and inter- and, inter- and put it in here, right? Let's but just I- do this backstory. We'll make it a different font. We'll make it look different, <laughs> and yeah. that way it's not another song. I, yeah, and I feel again they're trying to go back. I think to like bi- some of the bigger fantasy genres from back, uh, you know, a, a few decades before, where you know we're going to make this feel like maybe some Lord of the Rings backstory, you know? Or di- yeah, again, well, by different font and and Bob, like I will tell you too. This right here, I loved this. Oh, I because, did too. Because this, it's a and d thing. I loved it, no, even though it's not a and d thing. It's, yes, yes. How is it a D&D thing? It is the D&D thing because you just found out, because you, you just walked into the temple, you just found out about the big baddie, and then you're, you get you're the, asking the questions to the DM. 
And the, and the DM is giving you the, the backstory. DM is giving you the backstory. Okay. Well, this is just what happens in a novel, though. I guess if it's decent. Uh, but All right. So moving on. <laughs> but I love this backstory, though. Lord Soth, he was this Knight of Solomnia, which is where you could have gotten it with Sturm. Yeah. I'm hung up on that. I, Are you? Oh, my God. Should that That is so much better. Um, and this is good. This is great. Yeah. Luke, do a rewrite. Uh, so fanfic by Luke coming out soon. Coming out soon. <laughs> um, he's passionate. He falls in love with an elf maid uh, who was a daughter of the king priest of Istar. Remember the king priest of Istar is the the one who was trying to be what too close to God or something mm. and it's almost like the Tower of Babel uh, and is, is yeah, brought okay, down okay, by yeah, it. Okay, I didn't see that when I was reading it. Yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, so he has an affair with her because he's married at the time and but his his loving wife forgives him and prays to Mishikal. So there we go. We got a reference back to Mishikal. There we go. It's, bad podcast. it's about time. Does anybody care about Mishikal? <laughs> but he's looking for redemption for the evil that he done. He's granted the ability to stop the uh, the cataclysm. And so, I mean, we have this character who's able to stop the cataclysm, but mm-hmm. doesn't. And he's going to stop her when all these elf maids stop him. And they say he was unfaithful, and so he doesn't do it. And then... This is, okay, last opening I was my reference to this where I called myself Chandelier Baby Burner. Chandelier and so that, yes, and that burner. was like, so, and, 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 and so that was weirdly out of place then. Like, why would you call yourself Chandelier Baby Burner? Um, but here it is. The chandelier drops and consumes his, his, uh, his wife and baby. I mean, everything has been firing on all cylinders, so I guess I'm going to go over the contrivance of, I, I, I don't know that that's really strong. That you're gonna have your your main character come in and this gets muddy in here. I feel like this gets muddy and isn't very strong narratively. It's supposed to, I think, get us all kinds of emotions. I feel that, but I don't. I feel that this is a group of, especially when it actually gets to the verse, because I actually liked the the Hag verse at the end. Yeah, of I did. I did. I was too. fine with the, this. Was the yep. one song that I was fine with? Yeah. Was the Hag verse? <laughs> I, I was the Hag verse that's at the end of this? And I just. I just felt that it's just, oh my God, how many images are you going to throw at me right now? Yeah, yeah. You know, how many d- great, well-written, but like these nice little verse images, but it goes through so many things. There's cancer and sharks and snakes. And <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like more like babies dying in cribs yep. and, and I, stuff. And, and it actually bothered on. me so much on this one. First big complaint of the day, <laughs> um, but... These, yeah, these songs at the end, again, he says, there's a line in the song about parabolas of fire. I'm like, that just makes no sense. Like a parabola of fire. I'm like, yeah, that's real time period. I'm sure parabolas would appear in Beowulf right next to quadrants and vertices. (laughs) (laughs) A real real quick mathematic equation. Um, No, yeah, what what I've written down is... now he has to live forever listening to pretentious poetry. Yeah, Ooh, like like, like uh, some of this is good, but then again, I, I feel like a lot of it's just not up to yeah, snuff. His and the, backstory is good. Yeah, his, his backstory. The backstory is, is awesome. Yeah. The verse is good. It's just too much right here. And I feel to just really, take to just, for this one time to just take yeah. the verse. The, the, this is the one verse that okay, I will take this out of the book, out of the story. I just like this verse. Right. Yep. I and agree. the way and, and this one song that's written here. Right. But we're on to chapter three, the trap. It's a trap. Here yeah. we are, chapter three. <laughs> it's quiet. Too, too, too quiet. <laughs> so this is Brendan's uh, favorite listener, Brendan's favorite part ever. Um Baracus is being let out of jail by Lorana. 
Yeah, um, we got Lorana, Tass, and Flint. Uh, they break Barakas out of the prison and go to trade him for Tannis. Yeah, and you I can say, I, I loved how just flippant Tass was about, oh no, there's this way. This is how we always come into the city. Stuff like that. I believe that's right. in this chapter. Am I yes. right? Yes. Where it's, I love that because it was just like, oh, well, we, we're normally not allowed. Doesn't it, is so this where he tells kinda... like some kind of a family story? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the family road trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh-huh. it's, it's the family road trip in the Kender family <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, Remember this is, when we used to come to town and steal stuff yeah, bad? Or something like that? Yeah, basically, yeah. and I love well, that. Well, they wouldn't let us into town because we were Kender, so we just found some side doors and let ourselves in. <laughs> that, that's, that's part one of the Kender family road trip. We'll get to part two in part three. Yeah, yeah. But I I love I, the Kender family road trip to me. I don't know why. <laughs> it is actually kind of good. I, yeah, like, I, agree. Like, I agree. Like I said, I, I had the picture of the Kender family truckster from vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> A little cart okay. filled with Kender. It's got the wood panels on the side and the green. <laughs> this and, is true. <laughs> Dad's flirting with the hot girls. In the yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is the best visual. I can't take it. Somebody, please out there, be an artist, and can you draw that up? Yeah. I really want to see just that. Re- replace Chevy Chase's head with a Kinder. <laughs> oh. Maybe I'll do that one. But they, they meet yeah, up with uh, next so, so we go. We go in through the Kinder secret entrance. Yeah, right? we, we meet up with Gakan. Yeah, that's how uh, I said it. Again, Gakan. Again with Gakan. 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 With these names, I, I mean, this one kind of this one makes sense. You know. You yeah. Got, right. Gakan. He's, he's, like he's a dra- he's a draconian, <laughs> yeah, so their stuff should sound like you're coughing up phlegm. Yeah. They're, like, they're, yeah. They're Ooh, is it is it Gakan? Gakan. Like Klingon, like Gakan. Yeah, it's like Their their language is always described as being guttural. He's the cloak figure that gave Tass the message just to have him dismissed immediately. See you later, Gakan. <laughs> Baracus is not having this. I, I don't know. It's getting a little weird here. Yeah, a, a lot of this kind of... I won't lie. I, How did Baracus know where to go? Yeah, I don't know. A lot of this... I, I didn't go back and read it a second time. I should have, but the, there's some of this stuff that starts to muddle together again because I think it's such an ill-conceived plan, <laughs> a lot of this. I'm kind of not really knowing... Okay, so yeah, how does he know where they're supposed to? I think you know Gawkin is part of this plan, so this is why he he's pulling them. Yeah. But, the, but then Barakas just makes him leave, and then Barakas, who's been in prison, how, yeah, how does he know what exactly, the outcome of exactly. this is? And yeah, and and so then and then he there's these Wyvern that are waiting. W- Wyvern. Wyvern. Boy, I didn't. I screwed that one up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, I, you know, I, I didn't really mind this. I mean, like I was trying to. I, was, I liked the. I liked the. Institution here of another species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did too. Subspecies. I like. Yeah, I like the description. But none of you this know, standoff was... makes any sense to me, though. Like, what? Nobody's fighting this. Ba- like, it's like one guy, and, and these. I mean, I guess because they what have a stinger in their tail. Is that what? Yes. The yes. Right. Yeah. So. But they're not really, they're sentient, but not mm-hmm. super on top of things. Like, there's kind of a feeling like you could heroically kind of, like, punch punch Baracus in the face and maybe, like, I mean, you got Flint, Taz, and Lorana. Mm. You know, I don't know. There's, there's parts of this that don't really make sense why there isn't kind of a last-ditch effort to try to yeah. save themselves. Because, they all just kind of climb onto the backs of these things and fly off. Baracus has the only sword, which is... Short range. I don't know. Yeah. But I, even that I didn't understand. Like, they gave up all I mean, their I mean, weapons. They, didn't they give up? See, I'm getting yeah. all fudged up here. But, like, didn't they give all their... They had weapons. Lorana had weapons. Taz, Flint all yeah. had weapons. And just, like, they're following Gakan or Bur- 
They're Barak- following. They're taking Barakas out to Gakan. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they get there, and Gakan is just kind of like, "Give me all your weapons," and they do or something. Uh, yeah, because that was the deal. That was the okay. If you're gonna go, or, if, or you're, if you dies, if you yeah, or Tannis yeah, dies, that's if where it if was. We're gonna, if okay. we're gonna go into this negotiation here, nobody's gonna be armed except me. Then we will talk to you, or screw it, I'm killing my prisoner. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. And then we have the, they get on they get on these wyver and they fly off to a cave just outside Dargard Keep. It gets kind of weird. Barakas yeah, like Barakas tries, tries to, to rape Lorana. Yeah, I don't it gets really weird. And this is what okay. This is I have but in my yeah. notes and I don't remember yeah, exactly. I'm gonna, how I'm gonna turn you in, but first I'm a I'm a rape you. Yeah, and then it gets weird. Like I'm like, and now I don't even remember how it's said there, but I have in my notes uh, we Lorana faints, which we find out is an elven survival mechanism. No, no, I I actually I wrote down that I liked this. I'm like, what is she, a fainting goat? No, no, it's, 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 it's like fainting goats, but better. It's what? just like, it's like a reflex. Like, instead of, like, us gasping, they faint. But yeah, they, but, but why like, isn't their culture extinct? Like, no, how no, would they no, ever they, fight? they are not actually fainting. They're just physically pretending to, like, they're playing possum. Oh, so she's still conscious yeah, during this? Yes, yes, and that's why she, like, snaps back real quick all of a sudden. Because she didn't actually. See, I need Brennan sitting on my shoulder again, telling me, like, no, it's a survival mechanism. Like, like, I need Lorana's fighter here to tell me. Did you catch the cool callback here? Or at least what I thought was the cool callback here. To go? Because she (laughs) faints. Because she she faints. Brockus is like, all right, she's fainted. And I was just like, And gets all creeped on her. Oh, and then Tab stabs him with Taz's hidden knife. You know what? That we found out about at the beginning. Beginning of like autumn twilight. You're right. You know what? Now I'm taking back everything that I just said because yeah, she faints, but she punches yep. him while yep. she's fainting, yep. and then yeah, and then Taz is able to. So yeah, I erase everything that I just said. It's yeah, okay. No, it's okay. It's okay, Bob. But I'm still like, it's a go. But then, in true, <laughs> in true Baraka's fashion, he is defeated when he falls on his own sword. <laughs> yeah, this guy is yeah. a terrible warrior. I'm just He's gonna say this. The he gets <laughs> captured. He oh, even before falls that, on his own sword. Yeah let's, let's, yeah, let's go back to Dragons of Winter Night. Like he 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 shows up. He threatens the Knights of Salamnia, the High Claris Tower. Yeah. He goes to ride off, and then Lorana just shoots him in the arm, and like forever, his arm is useless. Yeah, right, he is right. a terrible, terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish leader. I, I, I have somebody in my brain from a TV show, and I can't think of them. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna yell out somebody. I'm gonna yell out a name. Right. Okay. But I, so, I love it. So, uh, so he's dead. All of a sudden, pff, all of a sudden, there's Soth. 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 <laughs> a wild Lord Soth has appeared, and he takes Lorana. It's kind of weird. I don't. I, I didn't really get this. You know. You know. I. I think visually it looks cool, but then he like just grabs her and stomps off into yeah. the woods, and you're kind of yeah. like, so where are you going, buddy? You yeah, got like, like a dragon somewhere you're gonna jump on, or like, I, I mean, I, he's undead. He can just kind of like be wherever he needs to be. That. I. I that's okay. But yeah. Baracus has been in prison. Yeah. Nobody knows what he's thinking. He doesn't know what anybody else is thinking. Why does Lord Soth know to be here? I, d- I don't know. Because he's, he's a ghost. Yeah, I guess ghost. He, I just, ghost. See, I just completely wrote it up to supernatural. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I went don't with, know. I went I, with he has, I mean, dead things no. all around. They could have told them at, that, at hey, this they're po- here. At this point, book three, I'm just numb to some of this stuff. Yeah. Even already. I'm just like, it just, stuff just happens I, because th- th- it this, happens. This is, so, this is so bad that I... Yeah, it just I, it this, just this happens. Is going. Is it now at this point? I'm just like, is it a cool visual? Yeah, okay, whatever. This is putting a <laughs> this is putting a tally in the negative category. Yeah, it, it, it is for uh, sure. But this Flint, makes no sense. Flint has a mild heart attack. He uh, does. Luke, any spidey senses tingling on this one? I I have written. Um, you know, 
I'm really, I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you can't at this point. Yeah. I mean, at this point, because again, like it's I just said, being, it's being hammered home. In, in an, in an, in an action fantasy adventure, to bring up something, I'm not going to call heart attacks mundane because no, they're not. Absolutely not. But they don't, they don't really fall into something that you usually throw into a narrative when you're in fantasy world of dragons and magic and stuff like that. So as soon as I read this, if I hadn't already, I knew by this point, Flint's going to die. I don't know when, but it's coming. Like, I mean, it is just, you know he's gonna die. I love Flint, and I love Flint even more after reading Dragons of Dwarven Depths, because mm-hmm. that really is all about Flint. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so it really oh, gives you... really? Yeah, it really I'm gives you a whole... Gotta read it then. It I really gives Flint. you a whole new appreciation for yeah, Flint as a character. I thought it was just different But I've been, uh, I, I've, I've been waiting for that shoe to drop, Bob, since yeah. that, like I said before on an earlier podcast, since yeah. that first scene in the woods right. where he meets up with Tannis and has yeah, to like, sit down like four times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been waiting for it, and I'm, 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 I, at this point in this book, it's a trilogy. Right. It's got to happen somewhere in here. Right. There's a plan in here for this to happen somewhere. So I'm just, sh- I, I, I'm literally holding the book in my white hands going, oh God, he's going to die. When's he going to, oh, he hasn't died yet. When's he going to die? Right. I don't want him to die, but I I, I want to be able to move on. Right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm there. I It's it's feeling okay, but it's Dragonlance, man. I don't know that anybody's ever going to die. So, but. hey guys, as we go forward here and as all this just happens, Laurent has been drug off into the woods. Hey, you know what I'm thinking? Where's Tannis? What's Tannis up with the people is? who died in the whirlpool? Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I was actually, you know, I, I had been like wondering about this like two chapters ago. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, are they actually dead? Right. Um, it's so everything has been so strong for me up until this point. And almost uh, these guys write like clockwork, Weiss and Hickman. I mean, same, I bet you, same place in Autumn, Autumn Twilight. I bet you the same place in Winter's Night. And now here. We got to insert what I've called the stumbling block of the elves. Only now we're going to have underwater elves. These that's like actually that's a very good point. It's, like it's, we just have yeah, to insert yeah. elves. We got to slow. We got to throw out the parachute. We got to slow the the narrative down for a while before we get to everything. And we're going to spend some time with some mundane uh, parts of this story that nobody cares about. I, you know, <laughs> I uh, care about I care about Tika and Caramon. I do care about Tika and Caramon. I do love yeah. Tika and Caramon. But t- hey, we're back with ten. And friends, yeah, um, you know what? This was actually this is kind of a point where I, I felt like they did mysterious well. Mm-hmm. It, it was, you know, you know I, what? I didn't know what was going on, but the, but I didn't feel like I was confused. You know it what? The, begi- the beginning it, of the chapter almost made me throw the book, and then all of a sudden, but thank God, narrative in the in the rest of this chapter slowed me down because we start with Tannis strangling the crap out of Barrow <laughs> because he's enraged because he steered them into the maelstrom yeah. and they all lived. I'm like once <laughs> like we are continuing continuing this roller coaster ride of Tannis's emotions. That's, like like that I, is this book. Like I want to kill myself. No, I don't want to kill myself. Why did you kill us? Why are we still alive? Like I again hate Tannis and nothing is changing Uh, but they do kind of go back in time they kind of retroactively go back and kind of talk about why Tannis came to this strangling point and it's better uh, for me but already I'm just so poisoned against Tannis at this point that it's it's tough but but this is where we get the confession too that Barum confesses he's over 300 years old and he's been around I do like this story about Barum so this answers our question from the last one he is 300 years old and he's died Many times, I like this. Bar- I like Barum way more than I like Tannis. I would rather, yeah, yeah. We could just yeah. like get rid of Tannis Ooh, and just 
Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, really? I don't know about that. I, I kind of find Barum annoying. Yeah. I don't well, know. I find Barum just kind of just he's tacked on. He's just there. Yeah. And this actually kind of story kind of has uh, helped me. I've with never Barum. I've never had a a human MacGuffin before. Yeah, he is but a human MacGuffin. I like that. I yeah, like that, that is that's true. Good. That is that is true. Yeah. Well, and then this red robed wizard wanders yep. in. He doesn't say anything. He's offended or something by Tannis and says something crazy in like draconian or magic words and then starts to run away. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. He calls this. He's like, like, he literally, like, he just like opens the door and goes like, Ugh! and then like, he walks off. Like, okay, what? Thanks, bud. Yeah, um, and they talk kind of about the city. There isn't there some sort of like map or model of the city? Oh yeah, yeah. Ta- yeah Tannis, do. And, Tannis and Barum find a like miniature model of the city. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and they're fo- and there's it, this whole weird chase scene here where yeah. like they keep almost losing yeah. him as he's other wandering around of the red cities. robes, always like just around the corner. just around the corner, kind and of moving through. Uh, it. Yeah, they figure out it is the city of damnation. And yeah, also, Ishtar. also Istar. We find oh, out that it's Istar, yes, aka Istar. Which yeah. okay, I conceptually really love this. I love that this is Istar, the city that has been sunk, and it's you know under the Blood Sea, and it's like this constant reminder. There's this big whirlpool, mm-hmm. almost like as a sign from, sent from the gods to constantly remind people of their, you know, mm-hmm. haughtiness. Uh, so I like this, and we slide right into chapter three or chapter five. Sorry, I killed him once. Yep. Um, Got a Caramon dreams. Yeah, sequence. a flashback to the Tower of High Sorcery. It's pretty cool. I like it. It's a little weird though. I, yeah. I haven't really been a, a fan of these odd recaps. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do like I do I, like the introduction here of Parsalian mm-hmm. as another as as, as another yeah. wizard. Yeah, I mean, this I don't really know if I, I don't I don't really know if I like him or I'm disgusted by him, but. At least somebody has control of the wizards. Yeah, no, at least, there, yeah, at right, least there's yeah, somebody yeah. administering. Right. There's a teacher here somewhere administering yeah, it's, these it's tests. A, it's a weird recap, but it has a purpose. Right. Yes. And we come out of this, and Tika's taking care of Caramon, uh, and we find out that that yeah, red robe guy is. I, I do like this. <laughs> and, and we we find out that the red robed man is called Zabula. Zebula. Or, or, I don't yeah, know. Zebula. Yeah. Sure. Actually, I like that better. Zebula. Zebula. Yeah. A human who lives down here, in quotes. Can we start calling each other and say, like, okay, new character, what, what do you say? What do you, <laughs> yeah. what do you call? <laughs> actually, that should be like a, a pre we, we had Evan, we had Ebon. Ebon. We, had, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, did a, we did to, like, yeah. Yeah, vet these. We also um, learn of the sea elves who appear as dolphins okay. to the air breathers. What do, you, what? What, do you, what do you guys think of this? Because I'm not a big fan of elves turning into dolphins. No. I, I, don't, I think it's kind of. No, I'm. I'm, I'm more curious about the weird sexual imagery of the old man and the dolphin. Yeah, well, that's Whoa. weird. That's weird. I didn't go with that. Well, I guess maybe I went into a bottle, no? She's my wife. <laughs> I, that's I, why I live down here. Is she's my wife. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, went, I went halfway there. I thought that was just a little play on mermaids. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, but you know what? I'm I'm instantly thrown back to stuff my daughters watch. Like I felt like this was some sort of I, I don't have any kids. Starlight, my, star bright, my little pony, my little dolphin. Yeah, my little dolphin. Like I'm like, okay, this that make that makes maybe, the fact that he's married to one even creepier. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's like reminiscent of me being an older brother to like three younger sisters. Maybe I don't know. Like, yeah, like, maybe it is. Like oh yeah, that's kind of I'm okay with. And that. again, another <laughs> allusion to what I'd said at the beginning of the last podcast, thinking we'd get here, uh, where there that the whole line that Caramon says to Tika about, you know, I can't give you my all, Tika, but I'll give you what I can. <laughs> you know, and this is pretty much yeah. your boom chicka wah scene right here. They finally they finally get it on. Boot scene, uh, I think, is what we're meant to believe here. Caramon and Tika, boot scene. But yes. then we meet this girl named, okay, here we go. New, new name, guys. Appaletta? 
Uh, uh, Apolita. I went with Apolita. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I went with It's more Greek. That sounds more Greek. Yeah, so I will, I'll give you I will that. be honest. I never try to pronounce the names. I just recognize it as a name and move on. Just, I don't even it try. It just shows up as like a figure on your consciousness. Yeah, basically, okay. I don't even try to pronounce it. I went with Apolita, and there's the weird comedy scene here where she's like, I'm, well, I can't shake everybody's hand because I'm naked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. this weird kind of. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of went with. Like, I can't stand up because I'll show myself. Yeah, it's kind of weird. They, they, there's this weird moment where like Zebula and Apple, Apoletta, that's whoever. Yeah, the sea elf. Apoletta, Apoletta, Apoletta. They're talking smack about those air breathers, but as soon as they see them, they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Like I didn't, I didn't know you and were." And I got, to a, I got actually kind of weird things up here again. Maybe you're, I'm reading too much into this, but it's kind of like, yeah, I'm in love with Zebula or Zebula. But at the same time, I feel like she's almost being really flirtatious with Tannis. Like, I don't know, maybe it's the fact that she's laying naked in a pool. Apoletta, not Zebula. Zebula's the yeah, guy. That's what I'm saying. No, no, that Apoletta is being flir- flirtatious. She's like, I'm in love with Zebula. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah. like my, my husband. But, but like, being weirdly flirtatious and she's it's laying been a long naked. Time since yeah. Somebody else. But he's really old and wears red robes. And this, <laughs> you're strapping and, and he's strong. And he's human. He's going to be dead soon anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we get to the end of this chapter here, too, where we have this this cuddle scene. <laughs> the cuddle uh, scene. A the post coital. The, the, yeah, yes. yes. The fact that we have to say cuddle scene just shows that this <laughs> yeah. really slows down the narrative. Like, oh. we are in this under. But I will say, and we've talked a lot about how we love, how we've uh, we've always loved the Caramon Raceland dynamic, mm-hmm. and the the how they play off each other. I the the shadow puppets thing that Caramon was talking about broke my freaking heart. On oh, how yeah. when they were kids, oh, yeah. he would yeah, put yeah, shadow yeah. puppets yeah, up I didn't like that. So that Raceland would relax and go to sleep. I, I, I said this a couple. Either lap, last episode or the episode before, the brothers will always give me the feels. They, they're always yeah. really good. Uh, but, okay, you guys got to help me understand something. Yes. And, and this is kind of just a main structural thing. I don't mind what's going on here. I feel it slows down everything. But this city... So, from what I read, Istar was sunk. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of reading that there's pockets of air that kind of still exist within the city. I never got this idea that there's magic that's keeping air in the city. But, like, they're, like, walking... Yeah, like at first uh, they'll talk about like air being trapped in like chambers and that's why they're able to breathe and then all of a sudden they're walking between buildings and I'm like so how are they breathing okay there must be magic keeping all of this up and then it talks about how they have the ability to give people the ability to breathe underwater but nobody's escaped from here I'm like so I don't know this is all just seems weird I tell you what Bob I, looked, you I looked this up <laughs> and there's a book for that <laughs> It's called, there's, and actually, there's also a module for it as oh, well. Of course, okay. Um, so called, dra- called Dragons of Faith. Okay, okay. And it goes into the whole reasons about why there's actually still air down here. And okay. And I was okay I, with air being actually, trapped within things, but yeah. then when they were starting to, they were like walking between buildings and talking about how there's like statues everywhere. And I'm like, wow, like how is, so there's air trapped even within the city streets? It's actually, like, it's, it's in the I book. Just went, I just went I, with like a how, Oh, it I is in the like book. A, how? How do they do it? It's the, that glowing moss. What, yeah. what, what, do, what do plants release? 
oxygen. Yeah, no, I'm talking about within chambers, but they, well, they that, talk that, about that's, them that's like... That's just how stuff sinks. But they I, like... I, walk, I, I just went with No, the but they talk road. about them like walking down the city streets yeah. and I going mean, upstairs into like the next temple or I guess, whatever. I don't know, in, it's my, like in my mind... Outside it, in the... Like they're outside in the city. I just went I just with snow globe. I never saw that. Just snow globe in the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I just went... Don't give it a thought. It's just whatever. I thought it was all these... I thought it was all these like trapped hallways that just like... Oh, and maybe that's what it was. They were trapped hallways. Yeah, there were just like these networks of trapped hallways that the adult, well, the sea elves knew about. Oh, okay. And that's, you know, and it's that's kind of the thing, like, well, they, they do have water, water breathing spells, but they yeah. don't care about air breathers. They're elves, they care about life. Yeah. They take these air breathers, they save their lives, you live there now, if you right. die, it's your fault. But one's married to them, so couldn't, couldn't just, Apollida, Apoletta, couldn't she just, like, <laughs> rescue everybody because she's no, married their, to one? No, that's their business. <laughs> he was converted. They fell yeah. in love after the fact. They, they fall in love. They live in a compound at the bottom of the ocean, much like the one you live on out yes. in the country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brought the compound in. There this you go. This is true. So, okay, I get it now. Tannis is invading the yeah. compound. Okay. Yes. <laughs> that's why. That's why. That's why. Good old Z is a little cranky with everything because he's not a fan of people on right. his property. Okay, and then I hate again. I hate Tannis, and then then he cries and every. Everybody lays his hand, their hands on him like some sort of bad on, on team build, ta- bad team building exercise is what I have written. <laughs> this it carries no weight with me at this point. Uh, I, I again, I just I don't I'm, I'm not caring for Tannis or any of this. I think at this reasons. point I don't know about you guys, but I don't think any of us care about Tannis anymore. No. I don't he, I don't mind him. I cannot stand his really whininess. Everything yeah. he gives me, I just look at and go. So let's Shut go, up, please. Let's go back into more tennis where we jump yeah. into chapter eight. Hey, guess what? Something's going to happen because this is called Dark Tidings. Yeah, Ooh. must be dark, right? And everybody just kind of like um, washes up on shore. They right? wash up on shore with amnesia. Okay. <laughs> yeah. well, they do don't they, remember anything what happened to him yet. I will say, do they actually have amnesia? Or Because, I mean, it seems like Caramon was about to say something. I thought it was some of the magic of being done in Istar. Oh, okay. Which yeah. disappointed me so much because Caramon finally got to be with Tika and now he doesn't now remember, he doesn't remember, remember it. Right? <laughs> but I love that they wash up on shore and they don't remember what happens and Tannis says it doesn't matter that they don't remember. God, he's an idiot. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, they, they wash up on shore. They're taken care of by a couple of uh, fisher persons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the fisher persons, like, almost divisively give them a ride to Calaman. Yeah, and then there's, well, there's this info dump then that happens for Tannis on everything that's happening, uh, has happened so far. There's lots of crying and sobbing. Yeah, <laughs> how... how... Convenient. Yeah, exactly. The Dark Lady is coming at noon... Um, <laughs> right to, yep. to, to kind of do it. Yeah, well, and then even then, it's like there's this very like super convenient. They walk into town, somebody gets robbed. It's Taz. Yeah, of course it's Taz. Of course he robs you guys. You yeah, know? yeah. Freaking crowd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like he doesn't have bigger things to do, yeah. and I get it. That's his nature. But I mean, I don't. Why, I don't is, know. why is he stumbling through a crowd? Yeah, Lorana has just been stolen. Yeah, you won't Exa- take my mind off. I, I feel that almost detracts from Tannis's character. Like, Taz. like Taz's. Oh, sorry, Taz. Taz, Taz's Taz's character is that. Yeah, Lorana's just been taken. You and Flint should now be in the throes of like, yeah. what are we doing to get her back? But Taz, not Taz wandering isn't emotional yet. That's but, that's <laughs> the thing. Taz does not. He doesn't have fear. Everything is an adventure to. But that him. is fa- that is a failure in writing. Fear. That is a failure in writing. If that if that's what happens with Taz. And we've had 
a couple situations here with the end of Winter Night, the the first book of this of this volume, yeah. where we've had Taz growing as a character. We've yeah. had Taz That's having true. some emo having some like right. real emotions here rather than just hi, I'm a Kendra and I steal stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah. all of a sudden we're back to JK LOL. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're back to just. Well, she's gone. I'm just going to skip right. through the crowd and get a pocket watch. Because you have to have that development for a character. Otherwise, why would you hang out with this character? They, this was such reverse you know, for me yeah. because I was liking the fact that Taz was, gr like I said, growing as a yep. character here and getting more emotions than just right. the, the you know typical quote unquote you know kinder emotions that are in the or that are in the uh, main D and D book. Right, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, so they're all standing around waiting for, for her to come. Yeah, and, and did she send a letter is. that she's coming? I mean, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, it must have been a letter. I like, I kind of, I kind of missed this. Get a montage. Get a okay. montage. Okay. I think that about them waiting for. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, so, Gil, I'm sorry, I'm 12. <laughs> <laughs> just. In, in a montage of tears, everyone is caught up with what has happened in the world and yeah. each other. Right. Jeez. Yep. They really need to stop crying. Yeah. I'm sorry. You've been through so like Well and you again, can, this you is can where do some the, of this seems like a high school yeah. play, like a high school musical where we're just gonna hold each other and cry all the time. Uh, this does not resonate as adult as like adult heroics. And you no. can write you can write the tearful oh my god, I thought you were dead, you know, the tearful reunion. Yeah, and you can say residence. they came up and had the tearful reunion. But I've been reading the book. Yeah, you don't have to re recap everything for me when yeah. I've been reading the book. Yeah, yeah right. That's right. What I've been yeah, I'm with about. you here. I'm with yeah. you at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So Kitty Ara lands with this blue dragon. I really love her speech uh, that she gives. Um, but there is some. You all weird... have you all have three weeks to surrender. Just enough time to fly up to uh, Naraka. Yeah, you know, okay, I I, can, I just don't get a lot of this. Uh, I mean, I do, but I don't. There. First of all, I just got to throw out, and that's why I put it at the beginning of this one. I think she says a weird line about how you can't see it from there, but I have her hair in my hand. Like, she takes her helmet, Lorana's helmet, drops it, and then she says, although you can't see it from there, where you stand, I have a lock of her golden hair. And I'm like, that is a really weird choice of words. Like, I guess if you're going to try to make, maybe it's realistic. I guess if he, she's standing there, everybody's standing around. They, I mean, that's realistic. It is. But it's also kind of foolish sounding. You know, that's not really what you'd write into a heroic scene. You know, like, all right, everybody, I have her helmet. And I know you can't see it because you're all really far away standing over there, but I do have some of her hair. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> like, if, you, if you think of it more from a standpoint of, people who are not used to like video cameras and zooming in <laughs> I feel like that makes more sense yeah but I feel like like back in the you know if this were I'm, actually a Game of Thrones yeah but theatrically you would just say and here is her hair yeah you know you don't have to say I know you can't see it <laughs> but yeah. here it is <laughs> well and in thinking of this too and taking this from another standpoint I mean this is Kitiara really not trying to make Lorana look bad, but really like, oh, she was beautiful and she had this thick golden hair, and I know you can't see it, but I took her hair. Right. What I what I, I don't her, I made I made that beautiful girl ugly. Yeah, it's true. What I don't like about any of this, and maybe you guys can strike me out on this, mm. is that we have just won again. Like our heroes have just won against them. And just because they have stolen Lorana, like I get the idea that what they're trying to drive home right is that she's a figurehead of some mm -hmm. kind. And so nobody will fight or everybody loses the fight without her. That 
that is not really doesn't have the resonance with me. I feel like you would fight on. Yeah, you've lost Lorana, your one leader. You have other people who could pick up the banner and you've just won against them. Like I, I don't understand why Kidiara could come back with such bravado and, I wasn't and really just with the capture of Lorana take out an entire nation where you have all of these silver dragons and soldiers and like why does everybody take a knee again it just seems to always resonate that if there's one thing Weiss and Hickman I think always do bad it's that their heroes constantly bow down in front of every obstacle I, I guess I, I, didn't, I didn't really get hung up on that I, I kind of got excited that Tannis finally reached his effort stage oh okay and you know what? They're going to Naraka. They're taking Barum, and he doesn't care. Mm. And then, oh, and and Gilthanas is super pissed at Tannis because all this happened. Right. And that's the end. See, and age. and by the way, you know we're gonna well, go. We're gonna go. I did really like the fact that we kind of got rid of Gold Moon Riverwind Lovejoy. Yeah, I like that. Well, I mean, they weren't in the book anyways. Half but the they time, were there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I do but, because. But, but, now, but now it's not. It's not like negligent. Well, the okay. big is it's a big thing now. happens in chapter eight. Here, Tannis has his plan. I mean, we can't not have Tannis plan in chapter eight. Tannis plan. Tannis plan. <laughs> Tannis plan is I'm you know I'm I'm heartbroke over Lorana. They've taken her. I'm going to take Barum, mm -hmm. uh, who I guess is the key, and we're going to run into. Uh, you know, into the Dark Queen's lair, you know, into the heart of yep. darkness to try to solve this. The only problem I have with all of this, you know, I, I mean, I have WTF written lots mm -hmm. throughout all of this, um, it is again, Tannis, once again, which is always my problem, is you you don't know anything about Barum. You've just met him. You don't know what he is. You think he's a key to something. You don't even know where to take him. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to go to Salamnia? Are you supposed mm -hmm. to go to Ice Wall? Like, what are you? He's the key to defeating Tachesis, but how? So you're just going to take him, bet everything, once again, the survival of the entire well, continent, you know, I, I feel like on running right to, to Tachesis' lair. He knows nothing about that if he impales himself upon the pillar. No, he that doesn't. Will, he doesn't, but he does know that Barum is super afraid to go back there. And for somebody who is, like, basically immortal yeah. and never dies, take him where he's afraid to go. I'm okay but with that. Really, totally that okay doesn't make that. sense to me. That still doesn't make sense logically to me. He's a hater. I am a tennis hater. I'm an anti-tennisite. move on. We're at the end of book two. The companions are ready to leave. They leave Gilthanas in charge of the city. And they also leave Riverwind and Goldmoon behind. Yes, because it is now your responsibility to take care of your child, and you haven't <laughs> spoken in seven chapters. <laughs> so, GTFO, they run under the cover of night to some small bronze dragons that will take them all the way to Naraka. Right. See, and there's, there's something weird about my, there's something weird about candles, and I don't really. Yeah, care. my my big my big the struggle death, with the this. Death stars are looming above. Yeah, to me, this is a big, and that's why I have death stars. <laughs> Two death stars have oh, that come. Was, that was from your uh, synopsis. Yeah, and they should jump on their X-wing dragons. Um, again, to me, stronger would have would have been stronger would have been uh, if if they would have changed this up a little bit. Have Gilthanus. Uh, take up his sister's uh, fight mm -hmm. because then you you kind of almost have the if this is ex, uh, a Death Stars you almost do the Return of the Jedi thing yeah. because what I miss here is we have these awesome ideas of these floating citadels that are not utilized whatsoever yeah no so, we just know that they're floating yeah so you should have Gilthanas in some with with Flint and Taz in some sort of last ditch effort. You're flying dragons against the the Death Stars, right? Trying to yeah. take them out. And Tannis, I'd be more okay with Tannis because of his love of Lorana, is secretly trying to 
run undercover oh, to take out God, things with the keys. So good. Like that's what you should be doing, but they don't do that. Everybody just kind of falls back and goes, "Oh, we can't fight with Lorana and Tannis." And that, that, actually, that makes I, way more sense than yeah. what actually did happen yeah. because for three weeks they flew off on their bronze right. dragons. These citadels just hovered over Calamant right. because then that would set up like, that. What? what? What I would have done then is you have Tannis Flint and all these guys uh, almost defeating them, and at that point of near death where Tannis Flint. Gilthanus, all of your gold moon don't have gold moon pregnant. Have gold moon and everybody. They're all fighting against these citadels in this last ditch effort. While mean, meanwhile, Tannis has bet everything with Barum going in, and they're almost about to die when finally Barum throws himself on that oh, pillar, and that's okay. what ta like everything comes undone, and our heroes are saved, and then they have the Ewok Village celebration. <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, I the, original, <laughs> the original, the original, yeah. not the. New Music. Not the new song. Yes. No, Not new, new music. music. No. So that that ends chapter book, book two, two of that volume ends book three. Book two of volume three. I'm right there with Boom. you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, hey, let's move it on to book three of volume three. And let's finish up Dragons of Spring Dawning. All right. So chapter one: an old man and a golden dragon. Oh, just when I needed him. Yeah. Yep. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <to> rescue. <laughs> once, once again, the comedy is great. I loved these I love this character. I love the dragon. I just Right. I was just laughing. I love that he's sleeping in this open field, like up against this dragon. Oh, and he's yeah. got this forgetful old dragon named Pyrite, which yes. I just think is well, great. Fisbin could not have a smart, like with it, dragon. He has to have a forgetful. And dragon. I and I will say the forgetful old dragon, the forgetful very old gold dragon named Pyrite. That was actually yeah. that was, that was yeah. I, I, lo I laughed. That was yeah. something yeah. I had, that was something I had written down because we come from a mining community. Yeah. Right. And we know what Pyrite is. Right. Pyrite is fool's gold. Mm -hmm. It's not real gold. Mm -hmm. And like that that was just perfect for me. Right. I, I do love this. Um, it's a little on the nose. But but I but I like yeah. it. Fisman's back. I'm excited about it. I, the whole thing about like, Pyrite not remembering where he is half the time, and Fisman being like, "I'm your wizard," and, and they get into this whole thing, and the the end of it, the end of this chapter, the whole like, well, you can't come with us, so I guess you're gonna have to sally forth. <laughs> right. And like and like honestly, I what I had in my mind was like, oh, well, he has to sally forth. This is just some weird like British phrase I've never heard of. Yeah. And then the dragon goes, no, polymorph, polymorph. <laughs> never yeah. get it right. And I, I I I had to put the book down. I was laughing. Yeah, so hard. It's, it's pretty good. I like that they see they see these four dragons that fly overhead and they think they're taking prisoners, mm -hmm. so they they attack them. It turns out to be Tannis. Uh, he was going to fly through enemy territory on brass dragons. Mm -hmm. Which are obviously not part of the dragon army, so I, yeah, in, way to go. I mean, yeah, could they? Yeah. Some paint could, I was just gonna say, could they have not even take the time to do some sort? We're gonna maybe the, maybe the job. underbellies are always white. I don't know. At this point, Tannis seems to me like Qui Gon Jinn from Episode One. His plans are just what a drunk man would come up with. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I, I will. It's all right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come to his defense to riding these small bronze dragons that are faster. I guess they're fast. Them. Okay. Yeah, okay. So he, right. he didn't go so much for stealth, he went for speed. But you know what? Then, for... then they, then they should have woke Fizzman up by flying so close they blew off his hat because they were staying close to the ground so they couldn't be detected. But then you would have been mad about them like not being stealthy and flying close okay, to the ground. Okay, everything Tannis done would make you mad at this point. Anyway, like, Fizzman meets up with them 
them, and honestly, it's it's kind of in this weird. I like uh, this opening chapter. Yeah, this, I, this is good. This yeah. weird way where like. I wasn't immediately expecting like, oh, there's dragons flying overhead and, and they pursue them. I'm like, oh my god, Fisman's just like kicking butt out there in the world. Right. Oh no, he's gonna kill the companions. But yeah. I mean, it's yeah, dragon I, obviously. It's well, dragon we get to, we get the re, we get reunited. Our yeah. party gets increased by one again, reunited. and it feels so good. <laughs> okay. so, and all of a sudden, <laughs> because because Fisman's been doing his. Fizzbin thing. Fizzbin thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden, oh, hey, the bad guys know we're here now. Yeah, so they, they, they're pursued, right? And they're well, pursued into the mountains where they meet up with Karaman, who yes. has caught Barum, who fled in that last chapter, and he punched him out. Kind of like this. He, like, knocked him out. And this yeah. adds more to the mystery of Fizzbin, too, because Fizzbin, all of a sudden, Fizzbin's here. Fizzbin's the real leader of this party. I, I was, right. In, right. My Fiz- notes, in my notes, I wrote, Tannis sucks at leading still. Then Fizbin takes right. over. No, everything gets Yay. yeah much better with Fizbin there. And I lo- gets... and I love this. Well, Tom, follow me. I know where I'm going. How do you know where you're going? I don't know. Just follow. Right. right. <laughs> I like that. I like that to wake bear him up or whatever. Tac- uh, Tika, Tika uses uh, special smelling uh, snow. <laughs> I, I wrote down a stinky vial, uh, <laughs> which. As I, I've been a bartender for many years on the I other side know. of my life, yeah. I completely understand waking up the drunk, waking right. up the, the, or the, excuse me, the bartender, having something that's going to wake up the drunk. Right. And she's like, oh yeah, I have this because I used to have this in my work pouch. Right. <laughs> I, and again, I, I feel this does drive home the fact that I wish, I wish Tika would have had more of these moments throughout all of these books of, she, she did being work useful. at a bar. She should have been more <laughs> useful and should have been more kind of maybe world weary and be, being able to see through people's deception and stuff because she's been with so many people that are, you know, falsifying their actions and mm-hmm. blowing themselves up bigger than they are. You know, I, I wanted Tika sometimes to be able to see through yeah. things more because I I, lo- sh- I like the character. And where yeah. do we go? Where do we go? We go to, hey, it's another weird bridge. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this bridge. Luke, you had some thoughts on this bridge. Yeah, it's a, it's a rickety bridge. I don't know. I, I guess it's supposed to be suspenseful, but again, the series has it. Its track record has already been ruined for me as far as like killing characters goes. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean been, like, they're, they're like, they're like tiptoeing across it. Oh my God, are they going to fall? No. Oh, yeah, of course not. Again, and it, yeah, and Fizbin tells him he's going to lead them to this bridge. Um, ta- tennis questions all this. I, I, I don't know why he's even questioning Fizbin. It, it doesn't come up at this point. It comes up later on in the later chapters um, that Fizbin's kind of just fumbling around this forest, and right. Tannis feels like he's lost. So I, I don't know. Right. Like it's well, it also Tannis does not trust Fizbin with his magic because I mean. Fireball. Right. I mean, yeah, that is yeah. what, Fireball in a cage. That <laughs> is what Fizbin loves to do. So I can kind of understand where he does. I did say, quit whining about. But so magic. we have the cli- we have the cliched scene. We're going across the bridge. The wood gives loose. Yeah. Tannis falls, and who saves him? Barum. What? Out of nowhere, Barum <laughs> saves him. Barum's buff, and he he can just do it. <laughs> and then Fizbin comes out of nowhere, and he's like, "Oh no, I got this!" And he summons this bridge made out of light. Yep. That I guess is there forever. You know, you know, it, should, it should be noted. I'm sorry. We, I don't think that we really brought it up that they were being pursued by draconians. Draconians, and it's right. kind of it's supposed yeah. The to dragons be. are flying around the corners. Tannis took a few pot shots at the yeah. dragons. Yeah. Draconians. 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 It's, it's supposed to be building suspense, but I don't yeah. think anybody's ever going to. You, you know what I took for away from this is this was kind of, and again, I'm this is kind of maybe a bad sign for me mm. is when I start stepping out of the book and saying what were Weiss and his Hickman thinking here. That's when I'm kind of getting pulled out a little bit. But to me, this was almost going back to Pax Starkus and what I thought was 
a very cool thing with that elevator mm-hmm. going up and down, which I pointed out as I thought was very D and D, but yet was very cool. Like I, I get how that would be an awesome mm-hmm. thing to, to to play out. I feel like this was thrown in as like a. Let's do another really cool set piece oh, for the D and D players, you know, from this book. But it didn't work as well. This, I didn't think I as just, that as that elevator did uh, in Pax Tharkas. Yeah, and I took this as kind of a weird, like all of a sudden Fizzman does a real spell. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's this weird golden bifrost, kind of out of right. nowhere. Yeah. Well, and I feel like yeah. maybe this is driving home that Fizzbin this entire time has been more than what he said, and so this is why. Yeah, the, uh, the the crew is about to actually bite it, and he needs to use real magic to save him. You know, say, his god magic or whatever been, to he, save. He him. has been hinting at it very yeah. subtly, but you know, where all of a sudden he's like, okay, I know where I'm going, we have to go this way, and yep. he becomes that leader. Yep. So I do, I like that he's able to just kind of yeah. be like, well, okay, they're really stuck. In, There's a bridge. All in all, I did have fun in this scene, and I thought it was actually pretty good. Aside from the fact, I mean, the suspension of disbelief, the visuals for, and, for like this golden span dropping but, are kind of dumb to but, me. But, but, and, and, of course, and of course we go to the weird, you know, Looney Tunes imagery yeah. of the draconians running across, <laughs> running across the portion of the bridge that's still there and then all of a sudden poof that that br- the bridge crumbles on either side right. and you have characters trapped just on this weird golden surfboard right you know uh, we've both in said in the middle of the air we've both said club that we love it but this was like the D&D cartoon like yeah, exactly, this is exactly this would exactly. be something from the D&D cartoon you know um Barum says that he he understands Karaman. They have like a little Barum Barum and Karaman heart to heart a little bit here Blech. while they're all sitting around eating a hearty breakfast of quithpa. Oh yes, is yeah. that in the book? Yeah, it's uh the the is it the Kate the quith? No, yeah, it's, I don't it's know. The, yeah. the elven, the some elven sort of thing. Oh, no, I, 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 was, I was referring back to the cookbook. Oh, I was. Wondering, oh, I, was I have not if that is in the quithpa is in there. And I, I, know, I do want to bring up something here too that. Again, cool imagery. Not quite sure where it's going at this point. I don't really remember if it goes anywhere until we get to the rest of my notes here. Yeah. But uh, Pyrite turns into a tiny little dragon statue. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he goes and he curls up in Taz's pouch and ends up being curled up around... The ring. The ring. Yeah. Which, yeah. okay... Interesting imagery here. I kind of okay. We have the old elfin ring. We have yeah. the old the old dragon statue that keeps moving around. And Taz right. keeps looking at him, and he keeps changing positions. Why? You know, Why are we talking you, about you, this? You, you, now? Know, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. It's I'll a tell Dragonlance you, thing. I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you, Cloud. This is one place where I guess I'd like the listeners to fill fill us in because I agree that happens, and because that attention is paid to it, I'm like, so what does this mean? It does come back at the end of the novel with this ring and the dragon. Yeah. I, and her, his name's Pyrite, so fool's gold. And I'm trying to like read into like, okay, what does this mean? What is the imagery here? I don't know. I, I never get what this is supposed to mean. I, even from the end, I don't know what this is supposed to be. I mean, I'm gonna. But, I hate to say this, but if they didn't throw this in, I feel like when they do finally bring him back out at the very end, yeah. we would be saying, well, why hasn't it been talked about at all? I feel this? they need to get rid of the dragon. Like if they'd have had a dragon through the rest of this novel, they'd have mm-hmm. had a little bit of a. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, he, he may he may sally forth and go into a bag, but why he has to clinch onto a ring is kind of beyond me. But they, yeah, I don't. They they, they rest. They they wake up in the morning eating 
They decide they have to go to. Yeah, and then Flint kind of has you, like, he kind of starts to have his uh, chest problems. So, what are you thinking, Luke? Because uh, you're always the one that's famous for bringing up the Michael Scott thing. The Michael we have Scott had a thing. lot of time with Flint in this chap, in this book. This we book have. has had a lot of Flint time. We and have. they keep referencing his angina. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I just. I, and. And. Angina. I. <laughs> I just, I can't. I can't take anything related to death in this book seriously. Right, okay. Or the series. It has mm. been, the track record's gone. Well, since Sturm, I don't care. when Sturm was killed, I felt like, to me, again, once again, I'm stepping outside the novel, I'm sure they had a lot of both positive and negative fan reaction, but they had good, they had fan reaction. And so uh, the, the, callous, the callous part of me said, they're going to kill another character. I don't, like, they have the, to. This yeah, is they, the, they, they have, have to kill another character. The, I, I don't know. What we talked about in, the, in our last podcast, um, the publishing dates for these were so too close together. Yeah, they didn't have time for. I guess for the they the, didn't have time. For I'll buy it. Reactions. Okay, yeah, I take it. I'll buy it. So we it. moved to God's home. We, yes. Well, yeah, we, we're getting towards there. This is kind of this is where we get into uh, Fizbin, who's just kind of like rambling around the forest. Tannis is getting pissed. I don't. This chapter felt. Taz all of a sudden thinks he knows where he's going. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess I he, he had. Him and his parents have been to God's home, but it's not the real God's home. There's another God's home that's not God's home. But that made no sense home. to me. Why is there two God's? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, what what, what is, is that about? Why does that have to be what, a thing? What is, and don't what don't is, tell us from like other books. Since I don't care no, why there's two God's. Have, homes. No, what, what is what is God. one is God's home, one is God's home. <laughs> show yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, to me, again, yeah, I don't care if it comes up in other things. This is just you don't do this in an actual novelization where you bring up. That, well, that's not the real God's home. There's two God. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. This, cha- this chapter's super weird. I don't. Know, they're writing around Flint's. Well, death. there's something weird that happens at the end here. This is the big reveal, though, right? Tannis thinks Barum has killed Flint. So he sees I, red and I, runs I, up I, and I, stabs Barum, right? Uh, and the rest of the group runs up and he barely recognizes them through his rage. And I guess he's a leader who follows his heart. I, 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 don't, I don't understand him being upset. I, I, the writing felt weird. And, yeah. And, and then I, I just, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. What, what is like this weird obsession with blood rushing in the head in this book? Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, blood rushes to their eyes and <laughs> their ears. Their, their lungs are rattling. Is, are nobody, is nobody in this party in shape? Like yeah. there's any, yeah. anytime anybody is running, like oh, their lungs ached as they were, right? Like parched of breath. Like just, just have them run. Just have them run. Just have them rescue. No, it's Flint. Right. Flint dies. Flint right. falls Flint, over. Flint, Flint, but Flint, Flint falls over. Barum's checking on him. All of a sudden, Taz goes, "He's doing something." Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, in all honesty, though, Luke, for all the problems you're having with this chapter, I did find myself. This this was a part that I was like, "Oh, you know." Oh, it was yeah, hurt. It was heart wrenching. I, I, it, it? This hurt me. Yeah. Oh. I I felt actually really bad for this, and I actually felt I got the goosebumps when Fizbin walks up, and Flint says, "I know you now." I, I, was, I this this entire chapter felt awkward and confusing. Wow, is I I be, I agree with the beginning of this and they force the, things through, the, the but this thing. last this last moment here uh, with between Flint and Fizbin, I love it. I'm like Fizbin is here being revealed as as the god. Well, and he we have this. I wanted Flint to die in battle. I want him to have a yeah. heart attack in battle. Yeah, I agree. So and saving somebody, doing something of worth. No, chasing Barum and falling over. Yeah, but, chasing chest Jim, but but is I, not okay. I, I will give it credit here for the fact that this just even made gave me the feels for yeah. Flint's death. Maybe even more than him dying in battle because I cared about him and I wanted him to be to have more going on. And it's just oh god, he's mortal. 
Yeah. yeah, that's. I actually liked this chapter a lot. I, I like this end. Where this end, was, I like. Not even the end. I liked the beginning. Well, okay, the chase scene, not so much. Yeah. But the like his death, things yeah. like that. I'll be honest. I didn't when he was talking. I didn't really care too much about the other characters. It right. was more when Tass started talking to him, where real emotions started to actually come through. That I was like, oh, I have this, always, I've always I loved, feel this. I've always loved Fizbin, and I've been waiting for this like reveal moment. I really like this. How you know, I, I can almost hear the swelling music as he picks up Flint's body, yeah. carries him into the the circle of stone, and then it's like he's. You know, because Flint does not want to be alone. Can, can, can that's I, the big thing. He doesn't want yeah, to be alone. He wants and he, somebody with him. With him, and so he's shepherding. Fisman is shepherding Flint into the can, other realm. Can I? Can I ask you guys? Do you even know like what this like? Do you even know what this place looks like? Yeah, it, it's. I, yes. I, I have. Yes. I, I, I know what I what I have in my mind. I have absolutely no idea. I I, almost, I thought it's, it's like this depression in between the mountains. Okay. Yes, I can picture that. Yes, and then there's these these rocks. Right. These rocks that are so close together that nobody could fit through them, but all of a sudden everybody can. Well, what what I took it I as don't, I don't. It's like this weird barren. I, I I have no idea what this place looks like. <laughs> I, I have almost, no idea why Fizbin is picking up. Flint really? taking him away. I, I've this is all so confusing. Really, to me. huh? I, I I do not like this chapter. I do not like Flint's death. I think it's super weird and it's super awkward. Wow, really? Yeah. I, I, I actually found this death kind of powerful. Yeah, like, I, so did did yeah. I, I, I felt did absolutely yeah. nothing. Really? really? I felt, wow, I felt weird it was to me. His, wow, his just that moment of oh god, that's how they killed him. Yeah, and then Flint carrying him into the water and then. Yeah. They're gone. No, into the. They're gone. No, it's, oh, sorry, it's, sorry, it's, in, more, into the, it's like a shiny black rock. I, yeah. What I take it as, I, I saw in yeah, my sorry, head almost rock, like a I, like a right, volcanic right, caldera. Yeah, that's in, in, a, in a way. And that what that crack is they're trying to get through is like a crack in the wall, uh, the far wall of the the. And in the middle of this is like this pool of black, shiny, reflective rock, rock with almost like a Stonehenge-ish kind of circle of stone around it. And when, and that's what uh, Fisben carries Which is Flint into. And like the stars are reflected in that pool. I, and so they, you know, they, in my mind, it is a portal to. These, it's a portal back to, to heaven or that, wherever. That, 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 of course, from. it's a portal to space because as soon as they disappear. Yeah, the Valiant Warrior constellation is back yeah. in the sky. Yeah. No, it's not because it's the no. middle of day and they don't see anything when they look up. This makes no sense. It makes no sense. The only thing that makes sense. I about never this, got that it was day. Are we? Yeah, told it is. Yeah, day? It's the middle of day. It's, really? That is actually that is in the book when Tannis is looking down and he sees that the constellation huh. is filled in. He looks up and it's just this pallid blue sky. Really? Okay. Yes. I guess Wait, I didn't. when he looked down the constellation because he's looking into that hole that he walked into. That makes more sense to me. It's that. like the, the the hole in the middle of the center of rocks that nobody can get through, but everybody can get through is the only thing that makes sense to me here. <laughs> it's, it's a I guess it's I, a must portal. Miss, a portal I must have missed I must have missed the only thing that makes sense to me. Here. I missed that. And then and then like well, he goes through it and then like I don't know, everybody leaves and gets over Flint's death really quickly. And that, so, uh, well and, and and like, uh, except for Cass. And yeah. let's 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 hear the story of Barum and his sister again that we just Oh my god. Yeah. I, I am. I'm already confused. I am already. I, I, have, I have Barum and his sister. They had a hard knock life for <laughs> us. <laughs> like, like worst <laughs> worst rendition of Hans Christian Andersen's Hansel and Gretel yes. ever. I told this stunk of Hansel and Gretel thrown in with what you'd brought up the first time. This is where in my notes I had put. This is the Genesis story. This is yes. the, this is the, this is the story of Adam and Eve thrown in with Cain, Cain and Abel. Th this yep. and Hansel and Gretel. And I'm telling you, that's exactly. 
exactly what it is because this is Hickman. I know this is Hickman, and I know that lots of this was outlined with his wife driving through 50,000 states as they made it out their way out to TSR, right? Like, and I this know... Is, this is fine as long as we didn't cover this in a prelude to this freaking book. I, I'm, ha I hate the way I'm, this series... I'm okay with this story. I love the fact that they're using that kind of... I like when books go back to ancient mythology, uh, you know, or, 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 or ancient religious references and change them in some way because those, I feel like Campbellian, you know, Cam Campbell's mythos kind of stuff, that those are the things that have the most resonance. Th those stick with a person when you get back to those really stripped down archetypes. And you know what it's been a while? But this is done a little bit too on the nose where it's starting to feel... Hans Christian Anders. Yes. And so we go through this. We have this whole... I, sorry, I have Paul, to add something in there. Yeah. Because I actually... The first part of the chapter, I believe, mm -hmm. I didn't care one bit. I liked near the end of it. Yeah. Because it went in-depth. It went beyond the story we had already heard. I, I kind of so agree in, with you, in Paul. In my notes, it was... It was Okay, they could have just paraphrased what they, they said. They explained why him they taking the gem and killing his sister. sister opened the door. Yeah, they, yeah. Otherwise, but, but, but his sister has never been explained. All we know is that his sister died yeah. before this. Do, right do now. one or the other, though. Do one. Do the prelude there or do it here in book three at the end. Don't do both because you've already been repeating yourself so many yeah, freaking. You know, I don't. I don't think you'd actually be against this if they haven't done it with almost every other story they've told. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a repeat. Yeah, it's a repeat not, of nobody dying. It's a repeat of you repeating your freaking self. Yeah. It's just because I, I actually like the I'm repeat with more with information, with way more information. Yeah, talking I about the too. sister specifically, and that she they is, just do that the first time. I don't like. I, I'm angry true. at this. Except book right it wouldn't now. have. It would have given us no, way too much information right away. I agree. I'm actually with Paul on this one. The first one sets up the mystery, and now when we're back here. Yeah. This is exactly. the one that reveals this, that mystery. This finishes the mystery. Yeah, this I agree. shows that okay, here's the sister. She is defending everybody by sacrificing herself. Okay, so we so we move on here. Everybody we go to a cave, we talk about Flint a little bit. Yeah. Um I don't guess what it's been a while since we've had <laughs> a song. You uh, know what? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull a weird little pivot on you guys. I like the Kendra Morning can, song. Can, can, I, I like the Kendra, yeah, Kendra Morning. Morning I was okay with the Kendra Morning song. We're yeah. in. We've, this is we've the best got, thing I've had in three chapters. You know. You know, <laughs> you know what? In all honesty, Luke, I can't believe that. How like I feel like I'm a bag of sweet and low right now. But for most of this book, I'm just like, and I love that too. Uh, but I okay, agree that's with you. Me for these. Yeah, entire but books. yeah, this is true. But I agree with you. I actually like this. I even. I. It's short and sweet, and I like it. And I feel sorry for Taz. Yeah, like, exactly. For sure. This gives me for the feel sure. for Taz. Yeah. And and how weird is it? Again, with this third book here, yeah, that we've now gone through two songs that we all agree that okay, I can dig these two songs. Yeah, you know what? I think because they're taking them, Michael Williams. I don't know if they forced them or what, but they're they're shoving these. I think it's Michael Williams still writing these, but they're put in more, I guess, where they should be instead of these weird little recaps at beginnings or endings yes, or yes. whatever they do. They're kind of more in keeping. Okay, so let's keep moving. Five. Forward chapter five, Naraka. Yes, Naraka. I love this opening visual. It's floating citadels and thousands of soldiers and dragons and it's like I'm hearing like those the chanting mm -hmm. like like evil monks Mordor. chanting in Mordor yeah. right this this is where I again I go this would be a good movie like you need yep. to make this into a movie yeah. and we jump into and we jump into the head here of somebody we haven't 
had mm, yet yeah. of, of actually one of the bad guys and kind of, you know, soldier number 74 who's guarding the gate here. Which I, I like that. Which I have said they should have been doing for a long time. They have never jumped into just, you know, soldier number five's head. This is how you create a big feeling world. And that that's exactly what they're doing. Well, and they, and they do it and they do it well. It's, it's, it's weird. It's Dragon Army politics that aren't bad. Right. That's yeah, I agree. It's good politics. And it, and it made me understand, you know, a little bit more with the, you know, I like the fleshing out of the little bit, little bit of yeah. politics with the Dragon Army yeah. here. It's just enough, I feel. I, it's just enough. And it, it does kind of remind me of, you know, a lot of politics in the real world where everybody wants to get this meeting started. Everybody wants to go into town. Right. But we can't because the one dude has to show up first, right. and he's two days right. late. We should. Yeah. We he's sh- not an hour late. We can't go in and like relax because this one jerk is two <laughs> days late. We should. We should say the Dark Queen has called a council of war. That's what's what everything is is going on, right? And Tannis and Caramon are sneaking in. They're acting as officers. Everybody else is acting yeah, like they're, prisoners. They're, they're, there's some terrible plan. It gets found out. Tannis just kind of hands himself over to Kit. At this point, things are actually so bad with some of Tannis's plans. You know what I'm visualizing here? Like awesome visuals of all of the like, like the floating citadels and stuff. And then when it flashes to Tannis and the prisoners, I see those green-faced guards from the Wizard of Oz. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> okay. yes. You know, like like I feel like Caramon sitting there swatting his tail back. Like I don't want to go in there. <laughs> You know, yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah. that's I, all I can see. I almost just spit my water over <laughs> all of our computer technology here. Yeah, you know? uh, Tannis, Tannis interrupts the parade of dragon lords and jumps yep. on the back with Kit. Yeah, because she's hey, just, hey, honey, I'm back. Hey, honey, I uh, they're mad at me about not having papers. Can I come with you? Yeah, sure. Screw my friends though; they can go to du- the dungeon. Well, I, I feel like Weiss and Hip- Hickman have done themselves a brilliant favor here, where they t- and it's not brilliant, but, <laughs> but, but where they have underwritten or or underfleshed out the story between Caramon and and Kidiara, so that you don't really know who loves who or who's using who, so that can be used as a springboard for them to do whatever they want. Right? So, like, Tannis can show up and just be like, hey, Kit, it's me. And she's like, hey, jump on the back of my dragon. We're just going to see the queen. And and we're, and we're left to go, like, okay, after what he just did to you and all of the screaming you did in the last book, why isn't he beheaded? Like, but oh, but he, they've left so little that you can now... Th- Pawn it off on anything you want. Oh, she still loves him. Oh, she's still this. Or, oh, he's this. You know, whatever happens between these two can be justified in any way mm-hmm. because they've done so little with what actually is felt. I was really just jealous of Tennis being able to jump on the back of the, dra- of the dragon. <laughs> I don't know. The, the end of this is just turning into trash, and I just feel like whatever happens, happens. Well, and everybody gets hauled off to jail, and there's some weird, like, you know, there's some weird sexual harassment of Tika. Yeah! That's not weird. I, I feel like that's the only thing that ever happens when Tika comes well, up. Well, no, I understand. Like, oh, she's got boobs. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I understand is should, the MacGuffin for sexual it, harassment. It, it should yeah. be there, but there's that one paragraph where it talks about the dragon lords, like, pawing at her that I'm... Yeah. Just like Draconians. Not Draconians. Draconians. Sorry, yeah. dra- Draconians. The Draconians, like, they're taking her to jail. They're like, oh, look at her. And they start Oh, she's curvy. <laughs> Whack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, uh, I'm always going, like, so... Tannis, what are what is your plan? Yeah, no, ta- uh, uh, we get we get in chapter six. Tannis and Kit have a battle of wits. Uh, Tannis says he will serve Kit if she lets Lorana go. I don't. Tannis, why would that work? Yeah, I 
I why? I, yeah. Why would that work? You you were like you. Well, you, Kitty you, R even is like she laughs at him. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I don't yeah. Know. And then, which, yeah. Which, I don't even know. Which what's is going very on. hurtful to him because he's like, well, I thought those were the best four boot scenes we ever could have had. Well, exactly because it's like, well, Tannis, <laughs> four days of boot scenes. Four days of boot scenes. Because it's really like Tannis. What like, Kitty R? What are you to Kitty R? Besides this love thing, you know, he, he's no bargaining chip. He's no, not. He doesn't carry any power. No. Tennis is nothing. He's not even appearing on the radar screens. He's of, not even of like a, a, a brilliant statistician. No, well, but he has a, proven he is not a brilliant <laughs> statistician. <laughs> and, and Bob, this also proves the fact of Kitiara's ambition. Yeah, and Kitiara's. You know, it even proves the fact that, well, you know, I may be able to use this to my advantage. I say Kitty R is smart. Out of all, out of a, she she will try to find right. ways. I mean, she made a dumb decision. I agree. And, she should have probably just beheaded Tannis right away. But it, but she's but, smart about. But it. the leader, you know, the quote unquote leader of the rebels keeps showing up at my door, right. panting over me. Yeah, exactly. You know, I will give Tannis this. I can't believe I'm saying this. He finally puts on kind of his big boy pants and says he wants to sacrifice himself, uh, you know, for this. Which is what I feel like if he is the, has been their leader, he should have done this from the beginning. Like, we talked in the last podcast about that scene in the belly of the ship, right? Like, from the beginning, he should have seen this group as, like, his children in some way, right? And, like, I'm, uh, he should have constantly been willing to sacrifice and give himself. That way, when he did give himself to Kitiara, we'd have all been like, oh my god, I can't believe he just... But no, it's, it's just more I, selfish But Tannis. it's just more selfish Tannis, so yeah. none of this has any resonance. And see, the way I read this, right when we get to the end of the chapter here, is we have this, again, we have another one of those little blurbs from, you know, Emo Tannis' back, <laughs> Emo Tannis' head, that what I took was, okay, in Tannis' mind, if Lorana dies... He has no reason to not just be Kidiara's right now. Yeah, true. Yeah, and so if he can save Lor, if he can save Lorana, then maybe he can save. And I'm overreading this. I'm yeah, completely overreading this. Sure, overreading. But I, I definitely <laughs> took this like I, I definitely took the fact that he needs to save Lorana, mm -hmm. or screw it, I might as well just join the Dark Army. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I. Well, then we we get out of that, and Kidiara enters her chambers and is met by Lord Soth, and he's and there's some like really weird like flirting between them. Yeah, I almost get the fact like they're almost wanting to be lovers, but but he does, but he can't because he's a ghost. Or something. I don't. I have no. I have absolutely yeah. no idea yeah. what's going on. But then we. And then he wants her. He wants her. He, yes. Does he? What I, does he want? He's well, everything. I, power. I it's everything. a power struggle. Yes. And I kind of. And yeah. Again, totally overreading at this point because I was so into this portion, yeah. this chapter, and the next chapter. Mm -hmm. Overreading. It's. This is the one of the first like live women that's paid me attention. I do love this scene though because like again, it gets weird like you're saying and you're like what is this? Is this about love? Is this a power struggle? It's just they want whatever. Kitty Ara strips off her armor, stands naked in front of Soth and then Soth just kind of flips her away and says, yeah, yeah you know what? Tannis is always going to possess you, you know, yeah. even in death. I mean, they, they do you know? this, I think Soth has some good points at the end of this about like yeah. how you will possess Tannis, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, we, I like that we go back to Gawkin. Uh, do you? Gokan. I do. Yeah, I do because oh. finally Kittyara talks about how this is her private assassin. It justifies why he's been in some of the rest of these books showing up, is because you know it's Kittyara. 
Gawkin, yeah. Kid, yeah. Kid Yara's private assassin. Yeah, no, we just get a backstory before he dies real quick. Like, I don't, I don't even, I actually, but he's I been act, there. I act, does it matter? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, I I, I'm just, I, I'm sorry. I am actually, like, I, I, I don't like this. I don't like any You're bit coming of to the dark side. <laughs> I am. I am. I Speaking am. of the dark side, let's move on to the Temple of the Queen of Dark. Yeah, why don't we? Tannis is waiting in lion uh, with Kit. Uh, Kit wants a crown, and there's a parade. You are sounding like me through <laughs> yeah, the really, rest of these books. You really are. <laughs> Let oh. the hate flow through you. Oh, you know, how if, the, oh, how the table has switched. So I guess we're in a dark queen's lair. I feel I always feel how the tables have. I always feel obligated to resist the dark side because my name is Luke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's becoming very difficult. Yeah, okay. I, Take well, your I weapon you. up and strike me. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> strike him down. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're waiting in line. Tika wants a crown, and there's a parade. <laughs> um, okay, so we're down there. Caramon is... Not, I am not wrong. I feel no, like you're not. No, you're I not. feel like all of a sudden Paul and I have switched sides because my right is now skewing that and my left is now <laughs> skewing <laughs> that. Exactly. It's like, this isn't, this isn't right. I haven't said it up until now, but I've actually liked this uh, prison stuff with Tika and Caramon. Like, I mean, I think Tannis's plan is complete horse stuff stuff right but but now that we're in it i like what's going on in this in this prison and uh Caramon is still playing it off that he is an actual officer this this really gives Caramon more of a story yes. and shows that he's not just just an idiot yeah it seems like yep. okay he knows what he's doing right. he can be a mercenary he can be smart. And then I love that Barum just goes absolutely ape and starts smashing guards and smashing their heads like melons and everything like that. Uh, and, and they eventually get out of this prison. Uh, I, I really I really like it. Uh, Gawkin shows up here um, and rips Barum's shirt open and exposing him as the Everman. I like yep. this tension. I like all this stuff. Like, you know, it, it felt very kind of uh, throwback, it's like something I'd read in an old Conan comic from the seventies. Okay. Like they're, they're they're in a prison and like, oh, they just found out Barum is here, and you know, yeah. I, I I liked this. Maybe stuff. this this entire thing just makes me feel like reading about Gakan's backstory was mm. a waste of my freaking time. That well, it should have been done much earlier. Yes, this is not what you do in the climax no, of your novel. No, it's it's no. like literally it's out of place. Literally. Five pages ago, you told me about Gakan's backstory, mm -hmm. and now Barum is bashing his skull into a stone. And you're wall. you're pretty much ramping up into the climax. Yeah, uh, they've and always I, done this in these books where they start explaining mundane crap during during the the what should be the the climax of a book, and it makes no sense to me. But I don't know. Well, and Bob Barum kills Gakan, smashes his head, I, I love smashes this. his head like an you know into in, into the freaking wall and the floor yeah. and everything else, and there's Gakan parts everywhere. Tika gets something to do. Yeah, I, Tika kills a guard. I know. I, I love know. this. I, I love this. She should have been doing this much earlier. Yes. Yeah. Tika, I, Tika kills a guard. Uh, Tass and Tika. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Barum runs off yelling like a maniac. Right. Uh, Tass and Tika split up from Caramon so that he can chase Barum. I feel like stuff is happening. 
but really slowly, and I don't feel, Actually, I don't I, feel a bit of suspense. I, I am going to take the exact opposite on this, this and say that I feel this is where the tension is ratcheting up. I have absolutely nothing. Here. Really? You know, because I feel this is exactly what they should have been doing, where you're splitting between two action-filled scenes of they're down in the dungeons, they're escaping, Barum's almost been been discovered, and you've got Tannis standing before the Dark Queen, and he and this whole stuff about taking the crown, right? We're getting to this part about there's this crown of yeah, power we're, yeah, we're that Ariadne Marcus wears. Oh, right. oh, and we found out quickly that Toad was killed. Yeah, yes. by, a, by a Kinder. Yeah, which yes. is cool. Kinder which home. Is, there's a book for that. For the well, win. Bloody is, right. Is there a book for that? Yeah, there's that? a book for that. Okay, um, how, how much is it related to... I don't know. I've never read it, but I... But he knows. Yeah, I just know that there's no. a book no, it's, I mean, I, I, I totally see what you're saying. It... it where it should feel like suspense is building, right? But it's and not. And I don't, I don't feel not. like it. I don't feel like it's slow paced here. I feel like we're, no, we're jumping between two kind of uh, storylines that are having a climax. We're jumping this point. Be between two, or actually three right now, three sets of immortal characters that will never die. And I don't know. Why. Oh, okay, I, I so don't know you're why. coming at it from that mindset. I don't know. Right? I, don't, okay, I have I absolutely no idea it. why I should care at this point. I get it. Actually. So, yeah, <laughs> the Sorry. arbiter here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but so we're jumping back and forth. We're jumping back and forth, and then all of a sudden, everything goes black. Uh, yes. Yeah. Actually, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah, I do um, like this. Yeah. Whenever Takesis is summoned, everybody like can't handle it. Yeah. This is cool. I the do Queen of this. Darkness shows up. Every you know, nobody can handle it. Which. If it's yeah. the Queen of Darkness and she walks into the room, everything should stop. Right, right. And she walks right in and, you know, she keeps going back and forth uh, between her f different different forms, forms, which I think is really Phasing cool. in and out, which is a cool Because she can't there. fully come into this world yet. She's only partially in this world, which is why she's not here causing just ultimate destruction. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And Luke, her first demand is? That Lorana be brought before her. Right. Bring out Lorana. She's wrapped up like a mummy in all kinds of gauze. Well, the, the Golden General, I should say that. Um, yeah, the Golden General, which I yeah, love. Yeah, and, that, and that we have these, like, this, this, these next couple chapters have these weird parts where it's, like, it's just people walking between thrones. Uh, what? Are you... T what? Yeah, no, it's... This is, this is kind of awesome to me. Like, like you have this dark queen, right? Like, at least the visuals in we, my we mind. Have this, we have this impossible imagery being explained to us about these like five thrones above everything with right. crowds behind them with a hooded a hooded snakes like altar in front yeah. of all this right before a floating dark void I'm like, I, don't, I don't even know how to picture this in my I mind. guess I have a picture in my mind and now listeners we can't draw all this no, up but I no did have not. a picture in my mind as to what this looked like and it was all working for me nope. at this, yeah, at this point. and I love me the queen of darkness should be a void she right. should yeah, but, but like once she's summoned, like not, I not thought, this, like like even before she was there, it's like there's this dark gate where nobody can even see into it, and blah blah blah. Oh yeah, yeah, because right. her because her throat, you couldn't actually see her throat. Yeah, you know I, I, like I, I mean, there's there's that, there's this. So we get the, the hooded snake. Just say cobra. Don't be weird. And then it's it's a lot. Whoa, of whoa, 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 whoa! Now I I gotta back you up on that one. <laughs> no, that's what I think is good that you do. You don't call it a cobra because that's what like when you say like dolphin, that's what takes me out of this universe. And they're like elves turn into dolphins. I like when it's just hooded snake. Well, then, I mean, it, I mean, it, then, then, then do that uniformly. I guess so. No, you've it's already true. said dolphin. It's true. It's true. That that's true. I mean, that, 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 that's where I'm coming from. I, I'm sorry, Paul. What were you saying? 
I mean, I like when they do the hooded snake because then I can imagine anything I want. You imagine a cobra. I didn't. No. You know, things like that where it's, I imagine a snake, but not not specifically yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm <laughs> sticking a black hoodie yeah. with bangs. Okay, so maybe it's because I've been doing way too much. I mean, for the last four months, we've been immersed in Dragonlance, and I'm just, I, I'm just full of art that I've seen from Larry Elmore to Keith Parkinson, right? I mean, and and so it feels like stuff I have seen uh, from them, and I'm just instantly getting really good dark visuals here. I can instantly see kind of the, with Takesis as this phasing out central piece and these these different levels, uh, you know, where they're walking between. I, I'm i really liking this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess... And I... I like the end of the chapter here, as we go through and Kit asks for her favors. Mm, mm hmm And, you know, this first favor that she's asking from the Dark Queen is, put him in my army. Yeah, right. And I like that they have a deal going. That that Tannis is like, okay, I, you know, I'm going to play up to you, Kitiara. And is, Kitiara's just like, get me the the crown, Tannis, and then you can take Lorana. Lorana's free to go, Right. I love this. My hands up. Uh-oh. Um, Kit never says that to Tannis. Uh, Kit never says anything about the crown to Tannis. I, I, I'm pretty sure anyway. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't... Not, I guess I not, not like verbatim, like, give me the crown. Right. This is something that comes to Tannis's head as he's walking up. Uh, there. Well, it, I feel it's like the, that's like the uh, the legend. It's it's a name of a chapter. Whoever controls the crown, whoever else. wears the crown rules. Something about blood. Yeah. All we get here um, is that for some reason, I, I I actually I thought this was a part of Kit's plan to trick Tannis. Was that I'm going to offer you to the Dark Queen as a commander, and because of that, she'll let you leave Lorana out of the city. The Dark Queen, why would the Dark Queen even give a crap about Tannis? That is what I want to know. I took but it I, I took it Dark as... Dark Queen doesn't give a crap why, about why, why should she? I took it as... and But that's not actually... What, that's not what's going on in this chapter. The Dark Queen doesn't care about Tannis one way or the other. But in order to be... He's just working with... I mean, Kitty R is the one who's there. She doesn't care. She's the god. Yeah. She doesn't care. But I... In order to be a member of the elite or a member right. of the officers or whatever, you have to go through this ceremony. Yeah, where she yeah. scans your soul. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She doesn't care. It, it could be Bob there. Right. It could be me there, which, by all means, if that meant I'm with Kit, I will lay down before the <laughs> <laughs> Get soul, uh, soul scan. <laughs> soul scan. All right. Which, if I'm going to agree with you that's on something, Luke, that's dumb, is I don't see how Tannis would ever get through yeah, a god would, scanning his soul. He would never I, pass I don't that. get that. Uh, he would never pass that. But what we've been shown about Tannis... He's been dark. Is he's betrayed all his friends. <laughs> we, we don't really know. I, he's suicidal and betrayed all his friends. I guess I, maybe he'd make I, it. I, I, didn't, I didn't know which side he was on. True. Bob, maybe, yeah. With the soul scan, if he is truly... If he is truly in his, you know, heart of heart, soul of soul, right. going to give himself up to save Lorana, yep. would that pass the soul scan? Yeah, because know. he's willing to get he's willing to give himself up. Bob, I, I'm just like yeah. your polar opposite on this podcast, right? I, yeah, I know. The Weird. only thing I understand is that he passes like because of love. And and I talked about a little bit earlier yeah. about 
His love for Lorana. His love for Lorana. Lorana's yeah. love for him. Why she did what she did and why he has to do what he has to do. That is the only thing that makes sense here. Like, the reason why... Isn't, like, the whole thing with this whole dragon army is that they're, like, anti-elf? Yep. So I'm going to probably... Now, okay, Luke, I'm running straight at Let's you and jumping, it, ju jumping straight into your pool. Jump jump straight onto my gem and crushing column. I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because if there is one thing that has been done, and maybe I'll make a ton of fans mad about this, is this Tannis-Lorano relationship is just utter garbage. Oh, the, Lo, every, like, everything, like, everything about Tannis' love relationships they're is garbage. garbage. It's garbage. And I love Lorana. And it's, yeah, I, do again, I, I like, love her as a character. Like, I'm completely... I hate her when she goes with Tannis. Yeah, I, exactly, because I feel that weakens her so much because yeah. Tannis is so weak as a character. And this l contrived love story that we've been putting up with here through these books is so weak mm -hmm. that that none of this... Again, it keeps... Now my new word, I guess, is resonance. This has resonance. no... No resonance No resonance, no juxtaposition between that, them. Nothing here. Okay, so as I put my arms between you here... Yeah, we're he, now on the same side. You're now on the same side. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't want you to I, I, I don't want don't you want being to too far on the Otherwise, side. Otherwise, Dark Queen will be released. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Elliot. So, the Dark Queen is staring Tannis down. Tannis can't, Tannis can't take it. Drops to his knees. We yeah. have a scream, and then we jump to the next chapter. Tika and Taz, who are now leading the rest of the Draconian guards on this Scooby-Doo chase around the dungeon. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like, like we're just looking down a corridor. They're going in and outdoors. Yes. That's the music. That's Benny I Hill. Going that's Benny Hill. I'm gonna go Dukes of Hazard on this one. Let's let's see how Tika and Taz get themselves out of this pickle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I actually, I really enjoyed this. Um, like I, I've been just like angry about reading about all this like dramatic stuff, and then right. it's coming up to this point where like Tegan and Tass are about to escape, and there there actually was a, little, a bit of drama behind it. I mean, Benny Hill music aside, um, and they get up to the door, and like right before it is explicitly said in the text, I'm, I get like. Hey, the, we're at a door. This, yeah. this is the Sylvanesti dream. Yeah, right. Yep. Right. This is it. Yep. And, I really like oh, this. And, like, so like, I, and all of a sudden, I'm I, I like this is when like I'm being brought back into the book here. Like, okay, well, the Sylvanesti dream was actually like a prophecy from the dragon orbs. We are. This is cool. This we is are cool. totally just. Flip flopping here, because this is the <laughs> this part. Is crazy, Bob. This, this is, is crazy. This, this is the part then where I go with what you say. They don't have the guts ever to kill anybody. I know Flint's the one who's biting it in this one, so I'm like, there's no, there, I, there's no weight here that they're going to be dead. Oh no, no I no, no, know no, no, that no. they're. Oh no, no, this. oh no. Yeah, I, I know they're not dying. Okay, but okay. I think it's it's a cool callback. It is a cool callback. And back. I'm actually I'm pretty yeah. sure like Flint's coming back. I do feel that the ties between book two and three are tight. For sure, they're they're very tight. You know. Well, so f Taz fumbles at the lock. Boom. Uh, oh God. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do like that yeah, well, Taz recognized. Wait, this is the same thing. I know yeah, that. And, I, he and he still, sees he the trap. Still did it. And he but he still because this shows cool. the character building, yeah. and he goes back to the. I I agree. One hundred and ten percent. What what Fizbin told talked to him about is you're you, walking the dark path. You have to walk. You will end up walking. Which the dark would have been path. a lot cooler if they didn't like blatantly say that. 
<laughs> like if it would have just been like a like mild callback to it, I would have like liked it so much more. I um, was I was so busy thinking about Reagan and Gorbachev back in that chapter that I didn't even. And exactly. So we we now have come back. We were we were ragging earlier on Taz's character arc where he's bout where his friend got kidnapped, so he's bouncing oh, around picking people. We get to people. something cool, and now we, but and now we get to something with Taz where it's okay. Oh, you're, sorry, no. you're 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 more than a kender. Yeah, I, I wasn't talking about that when it says something cool. And I I like that. <laughs> I like going back to that. You know how you build a, again in D and D, how you build a character and you're flip flopping around first level character isn't the same as your eight or nine or mm. 12 level character. It's actually grown and actually has some more personality to it. Yeah, okay. And I like this whole thing where, where we go back into the, in the Dark Queen's chamber and Tannis is told by Kitiara uh, that he's got to go and present his sword again to Yeah, and this is where I was coming from before when it's a bunch of walking between thrones in this like... No, this part, this part I like... No, no, it, it was cool. It was, right. this, this part was super cool like at the end. Yep. But, but up, up until this, it's been like... A parade of people up to a throne. Another parade right. of people right. up to a throne. I, I get and, it. And then get every, it. everybody's at their throne. And then Tika and Tannis come down to their throne. And then the Death Knight <laughs> brings somebody out onto this like platform. And then Tannis is going to go up to another <laughs> throne. It's like, I mean, like I, I understand that like formal proceedings can be boring, right? But I don't want like this repetition in a novel that I'm reading. Well, and I think it's weird because Ariakas wears the crown, right? Yes. And so Tannis is going to go present his sword and comes up with another one of his last ditch weird plans that he doesn't know the outcome of, where he's going to just like run his thor- sword through Ariakas. Which and I, take I, you the, know, I, thought I liked it. I, I was I was right like dead on with him the entire time where he's walking up like, what if I just stab him and I take the crown? That's a really yeah. good idea. And then like. Oh no! There's a magic field around. Okay, there. can I just say that's stupid? Like, I like I don't I don't get stuff just appears out of nowhere that's never been there before. Like, there's Ariakas. Oh, he's got a magic field around him. That, that, that actually, you know, just what? to uh, add uh, just a layer of contrivance to I, it. It feels. I guess I don't know. I've played a magic user in D and D, and they I've, just have that. You can. Well, I mean, I, I, everything's can. possible. It's a made up world, but yeah, you can. I, I guess I mean, but like they they call spells out by name, right? So I have a feeling. In this era, yeah, there was probably been, a spell. Like, uh, or if you played uh, Dragonlance, this would have been a spell you had. Blades. Rainbow uh, armor, uh, blade word. I've yeah, imagined. blade word, a word of blades, blade word, something like that. That might have been a thing. Okay, anyway, so that so that this comes up to Ariakas, and this is like so cool. And this this is like the point where I'm you know like, why it's cool is because it's Star Wars Episode Four, and Obi Wan's <laughs> voice, disembodied voice, whispers <laughs> in his ear, "Drive it home, Luke." <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Do it. I was, yeah. I was going Strike, I will guide you. <laughs> Use the force, Luke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, I, mean, I, I will. I will. Tell me this. Obi-Wan? No. Yeah, tell me this is not an Obi-Wan scene. Right uh, here. No, no, no. This, we this, can't possibly get through that force field. It's too strong. <laughs> no, no. This, it's a this, rainbow this, field. This is so cool. I, I mean, like, he has this entire plan. We're, like, we're just in Tannis's head. He has this whole actual plan. That I and this builds. Well, I, well this, I hope the queen accepts him when he grabs his crown and puts it on his head. This builds suspense because a will that happen? Will somebody just murder him right away? Yep. Is he even going to be able to kill right. him right away? And then and then oh my god, he has a shield like. And, and, but it's it's like after he has like started to like uh, take his sword out. Yeah. Oh my god, he has a shield. What am I going to do? And he gets the whisper. The voice. Yep. Stab him. I'll yep. help you. And he's like, I, I I think I'm going crazy. I think I'm going crazy. No, stab him. I'll I help you. 
Who did you guys think that was? Oh, it's absolutely race line. Yeah, I, there's that's, no that's what I was joke. Going like, with. No, there's no. Oh, of course, no yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody was. Of course, because it was, yeah. well, to Ariakas's credit, he tried. To Ariakas's credit, he gets stabbed and he punches <laughs> Tannis down the stairs. Yeah, that's awesome. That's you know awesome. what? If I ever get stabbed in the heart, yeah. If I punch the guy who did it. Like count that as a win. Yeah, that's <laughs> a win. Oh that my is God. a win. Like he's just like, just like I think it even says in the book, just through sheer force of will, stands back up and punches yeah, Tannis. Yeah, I love it. So good. And I have been waiting for this scene for a long time. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody punch Tannis. Somebody punch him. <laughs> all right, chapter ten. Whoever wears the crown rules. But we've had all these trumpets sounding, so. I'm thinking Caramon and Barum set off some sort of alarm, but I don't know what this alarm is. Raceland says that they tripped the alarm. Yeah, I, I, it, the thing that happened right before the the trumpets went off was that Caramon went through like a cobweb and yeah. freaked out about spiders. That that was the only thing that made sense to so, me. So that must have been what it is. I think it's because they entered the chamber, right? Where finally, finally this, this pillar from the beginning of yeah. the book is, right? So it's been yeah, booby-trapped. They, they, uh, Caramon and Barum encounter some draconian babies. I actually kind of Pir- like this. Piranha babies. I thought this yeah. was kind of weird yeah. and atmospheric. I mean, we did it this was. as our opening. Uh, the dragons are in the water, and they're trying to chew, th- chew through their legs. I, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I'm thinking compies from Jurassic Park. Yes. Little, yeah, little yeah, guys. yeah. It's Jurassic Park. That was definitely where it yeah, was. Yeah. And out of, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, there's a wild... Shrek! <laughs> Raceland's there, of course. It's Raceland. Come on. Yay! Yay! But he's in black robes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, again, the, the front of the book. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing here, you guys. I don't know. There, there's some drama in the audience chamber. Uh, Tamis? Tamis? Well, I mean, we well, did this. Tannis has holding the crown. Yeah. And Soth is standing next to him who could just Tannis. Actually, this was super cool. This was super cool. Um, he, he's like about to do it. Kitty R calls him off. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Soth, like, he's walking down and Soth kind of whispers in his ear, like, You're in charge. Yeah. Like, he just, like, He's not totally on And there's this weird, like, and again, I know know she's a bad girl. I know she's, you know, power, she's a power-hungry woman of the day. Monster. Monster of the day. But how cold is it to, like, for her talking to Tannis at this point going, we'll rule the world together. Oh, and you can keep Lerato as a plaything. I just, I love this part. Okay, I got to read you you my notes, Club. Club, I got to read you my notes because I I put, Tannis brings her the crown and says she'll give him anything. Tannis feels her body trembling. I put Club is heavy breathing. <laughs> because you know, you know, because that's my girl, man. She that's says, my girl. She says they will rule together both day and night. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, Club and Chuck is liking this yes. part of the book. You know, you, know what, you know what my problem here is? They're both wearing armor. Tannis is about to walk out safely with Rana, but I guess... Well, Tannis, Tannis puts the crown on his head. He put, well, yeah, he puts the crown on his head, yeah. and he's like, you know, I'm going to walk out of here, and then... But Which I love I love this moment. We're kind of flippantly going over this. Tannis puts the crown on his head. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, but it's, this it's, is a dumb plan, but, like... At least he has I a plan. Lo- I, at least he has one, and I love this. I'm like, because I'm all giddy. Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Either this, he'll pull this off, or he'll get horribly killed. Yeah. And I don't care which. <laughs> and I, I'm, and actually, I'm not sure why he hasn't been like just stabbed. In the I don't. I don't either. Well, he has no. Soth, he has, I don't, I don't he has know why no Soth is not power. killing him. Yeah, but he, no, he. I just went magic crown. 
I mean, he has even at this point been soul scanned. I mean, like, you think Soth, like, so he's got the crown. Why isn't Soth going, Ursiper, and just like, Running him through, like I don't, I don't get why he's not dying, but I well, love I that he's got the I guts to put the crown on. I think Soth actually has the hoss for Lorana, or I'm sorry, not Kidiara. Right. Yeah. And because she said don't, he won't. Oh, yeah, and, true. Hey. And so we get this pic, we get this picture here too, where you know, thank goodness Lorana comes back in and gets mm -hmm. you know unwrapped and basically. Basically pushes Tannis over and is like, I, I'm a strong woman today. I do my own stuff. Yeah, that, I can take that, care of myself. That's that actually that is what I have written down. Um, <laughs> Tannis is about to lead him and Lorana to safety, safety, but Lorana is feeling sassy and would rather <laughs> die. <laughs> but you know what? I like that. I wish Lorana would have gone farther with this because I I love that Lorana is Self, not going to take it from Tannis. She's an elf. She doesn't like death. Self preservation. This doesn't make sense. Mm, are we? Is that a holdover though from like? Elf nature from D and D. I mean, no, like, no. This, this is a big thing in Dragonlance. This is not a. This is not a D and D three point five thing it's, that it's, I know of. It's not. It's not jumping up. You know, I mean, it's not jumping off a building. It's not. It's not committing suicide. Lorana's not going after suicide. suicide here. She's walking into a group like a, a a massive crowd of draconians and dragon high lord commanders. But this, to me, almost goes into a Spock kind of preservation of life. Like, you are holding me over an entire continent right now, and this is why we're losing the war. I don't know if she knows that or not, but, like, it is better that I die and no longer be a pawn for everybody and okay. save the lives of millions. And you know what? I don't need a man saving and I don't, me. Yeah, I don't need but, no man but, saving but me. Let, let's, let's bring it back. You, let's Lerano. bring it back to when she was captured. Why does it matter that she's captured? I, I agree. This is a big problem it for is. the entire there, we, book. We have gaping holes, yeah. problems for gaping holes. Well, this it book doesn't. is Swiss cheese. I mean, it's just holes everywhere. I mean, I agree. But it, I agree. it wasn't at the start of it, and I, like, I'm really mad about it. This is, but this entire scene ends anyway. Uh, oh yeah, we get to the end of the chapter, and all of a sudden, pff, the Dark Queen's back. The Dark Queen's back. I love that they they end up throwing the crown, right? So everybody just kind of scampers after uh, it. So well, no, it was... Uh, because Lorana was feeling sassy and pushed him off the right, exactly. thing, the crown went scattering. Scattering. But I like this. And maybe this is Lorana's plan. I don't know. Was this what she wanted no, to do? No, she's feeling sassy. She is being emotional and she is just doing the one, something. The kind of the one time she does it, Tannis has been doing it for three books. Yeah. I'm going to bring it back real quick. Uh, the, the, it's right before that. Um, like Tannis puts the crown on. He's like Lorana, let's get out of here. And what Lorana does is she grabs Kidiar's sword, right, and bashes her in the face with the hilt. Oh yeah, and I love this. This, this makes absolutely no freaking sense to me. What? So let's just okay. Okay, we're, we're facing, gonna play it out. We're facing each other. I'm right-handed, like most people are. Yeah. I'm gonna grab your sword. And I'm bashing in the face with it. Why would I bash you in the face with it when the blade of the sword is pointed at your throat? Oh, see, I took it because she's I, an elf and she see, preserves uh, life. I took it as this. <laughs> see, I, 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 I took know. it as I took it as this. Yeah. I took it as a pull up. Oh, that's, that's, that's what like I did too. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like an uppercut. Upper yeah. Ah, they're like Ooh, a good fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah like thank that. you. No. That, that actually, that, that yeah, I took it as I took it as a taking it out, and as I'm taking it out, I smack yeah, it. Yeah. Oh boy, I wish okay. I wish we were live podcasting this on Facebook because none of you can see that this is all being acted out in real time. Yeah, we're, uh, we're grabbing at each other with swords, <laughs> and that's the other weird thing. Anyway, anyway yeah, that that happens. Lorana sassy kicks. 
Tannis off the platform, the crown goes scattering. Let's get to chapter 11. Jocelyn calls. Jocelyn does. Okay, so this is a super tense scene where Raceland is now uh, one of the black robes. He cast this spell. We did this in the opening. Uh, I, I like this scene. I completely, I know it's dumb. I know it's cheesy. I know it's weird. Like, I completely had, like, Raceland all of a sudden walking into Back in Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. All of a sudden, Raceland's there. Bam. Yeah, no, it's 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 true. Uh, Everman is dead. I mean, this whole like this whole like impaling himself upon upon this pillar again, and this is me taking out of it. This Hickman had a huge part in this, and because of of what we've talked about with Hickman's faith, this to me is complete. In some ways, Christ analogy or Christian metaphor of to rectify, to get rid of the serpent, to bridge that gap of, of death and what has happened to this continent, blood must be shed. Mm-hmm. And so Barum sheds blood upon not a tree, but upon a upon a pillar, right? And the shedding of that blood then like pushes the darkness away. Like oh, absolutely. pushes it back. You know, and this is again, Barum is almost again this Cain or Adam analogy, you know, original killer, original sin. Like there is a lot going on here uh, that Hickman has taken from his own religion and 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 put into the book. And I'm not gonna call it a negative thing. I'm I'm not saying that as a negative thing, that's a positive thing. Again, going back to Campbellian archetypes, that is the stuff that has resonance. And now I'm going to gird my loins because here comes Luke. Okay, guys. I actually, um, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you guys. Just let me know when you're done. <laughs> I actually, okay. So what, what I do is I read a chapter and I, re- I write notes immediately. After. Right. I do the same. And I'm just going to read what I've written down. Okay. Okay. What the hell even just happened? <laughs> Raceland betrays Caramon again, but then he doesn't. Mm-hmm. As he lets Barum go. But then Takesis enters the world anyway in a triumphant roar. I legitimately have no idea what just happened in this chapter mm-hmm. because none of this makes sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense. Yeah. Raceland shows up. Oh, it's a good thing. I mean, I, I get like the kind of play yeah. on that. Like, oh, it's Raceland. Oh my God, he's actually like for surely alive, right. and he's gonna save Caramon. No, he's not. He's gonna blast from the chest of the fireball for no reason, like you said. In your I heart. don't, and I don't get that. I don't. I get don't why either. He does I, that. I, I think, think because he was helping Barrow. Well, that, but no, yeah. I, I think it's more to show Caramon he has the power. He has the power and he doesn't care. I think that's where it's coming from. Okay. Ra- where Raceland is sitting there going, okay, hi, brother. You don't need to worry. You, you know, it's it's kind of him saying you don't I, need to worry about me. I, I agree. I'm Actually, Luke, now, now I'm, I'm going to jump now to your side, although I like all the imagery, and I'm going, oh, clever imagery and throwback to religion, religious archetypes. But I agree with you, Luke. Again, it goes back to my problem with this entire trilogy structure. You have never set up in any of the other books why Tachesis is here, how this has happened. If I'm sure Weiss and Hickman, now looking back after 30 years, yeah. wish they could change a bunch and, of stuff. And, and, and I, you need to have teased all of this so when this moment happens, it is not a confusing mush. Because I, it is. I, yeah, uh, It is a confusing I, 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 underst- I understand the history of this trilogy. and like, it yes. kind of, I, I do take it to heart when I'm reading it, but I'm reading this for a podcast where I review science, I science fiction and fantasy literature, yep. and none of this... Makes any f***ing sense. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so 
he falls. We we have this weird shooting scene of both Raceland and Caramon want to get Barum to the pillar, right? But Raceland shoots Caramon. Uh, again, I, I they listen, grabs Barum and pretty much throws him at the pillar. Li- listeners, I, I weigh in on this. Why why Raceland fireballs him? Because I agree with you, Luke. I don't know like why. I, said, he does he, that. I think it's to show his power. Even, truly, he's been showing his power this whole time. Caramon has to Caramon. Caramon well, has still. But been, why does he have to? Caramon continuously just wants to take care of him. I don't understand why. Because his entire because his entire life he has been taken care of by Caramon, and he, he wants finally, to show he's a big boy. Basically, I can wipe my butt. basically, he finally <laughs> says, "I am free. I can wipe my own butt and get out of here." Okay, I'm. I'm, I'm just. I've got the black robes on now. I can wipe my own butt. <laughs> well, that's why your robes are black. Okay, I'm completely just rethinking this as I'm trying to think of some justification to this scene. Good. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Is there a portion here where it's Raceland trying to get Caramon to stand up for himself? Oh, no. uh, you know what? No. I kind of like that. <laughs> that no, looks like no. <laughs> no, there is not. Because if you subtract that scene from all of this, yeah. it still doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, Raceland shows up. He freezes Barum in place. Waits for like the Draconians to come down the hallway. And then, and then he unfreezes says, and, then, and then he says, instead of fireballing Caramon, I'm here for you, and lets him go. Why yeah. did you freeze him in the first place? Yeah. Why are you here? Why are you working with? I guess. Yeah. Why he's working with the Queen of Darkness is probably explained in the later books. But this, but yeah. the, the, this. Well, shot because he this, wants the Queen of Darkness's power. But I agree with you, Luke. No, no, it's almost just a problem. like what you're saying, Paul. All of that only makes sense if it's an arbitrary power play. Exactly. Of look at me like a whiny kid going, look at me, I can freeze this guy from what he's doing, I can fireball you, but I'm going to let it all happen. Yeah, but that anyway. would make sense if but there weren't like a hundred characters in the main party <laughs> and we had time to delve into these, I agree. Uh, these twin I agree. brothers, the best two characters in this freaking trilogy. If we had time to dive into like the who twins, they are. like they will do in those twins, yes. like they will, they know, like they will, they will, because yes. they know but this is screwed up. They know that this is too much. They do. Yeah. So, they know it. So, so, let, so Baramon, Baramon, Baram, chest gem, chest gem, Baram, chest gem is unfrozen. He sees his sister in like weird yeah. dream world slash real world. She jumps into her arms, but she's not there, himself. so he's a, jumps into his arm, her arms. But she's not there, and he and they're screaming, and stuff starts to fall. We'll get to what all this means in later chapters. Can I, uh, real quick, real quick? All all I'm going to do here is I'm just going to read the last four paragraphs of chapter eleven. All is lost, Tannis thought in despair. This is a moment of her ultimate victory. We have failed. The five heads reared up in triumph. The domed ceiling split apart. So okay, so in this moment, I'm thinking. Barum dying on the column is good. Yeah. Right? Okay. That's cool. The Temple of Aestar began to twist and writhe, rebuilding, reforming, returning to its original shape. Well, I thought she just won. Why is it returning to its original shape? Like, I, this doesn't... This, These last four paragraphs of chapter 11 have me so freaking confused. I... I'm going to argue for this. I'm I think. Too. I think it oh, is showing... It. Please. Please do. It is showing that the, the god... Thought she won. Yes, she legitimately thought so. Yep. She was excited that yep. her minion, her guy that she put in as a as a black robe, 
to guard that door has won. Explain and to me why she thinks that. I, I, I'm going to go completely back in there. I don't know that there's a good explanation for why she thought this. You need to. I'm going to throw it back to Hickman and why he is doing this. This okay. is again. This is again a Christ analogy. I guess I, I'm, Christ has just died on the cross. Barum has just died. Satan thinks he's won. Yeah. Takesis thinks she has won. The veil is being rent in the temple and torn. Right, and everything Ooh. is yeah, and everything is building at this okay. point. She thinks she has won. But no, she hasn't. Blood has been spilt, closing the chasm between. Yeah. Okay. For well, the she, original she, sin of man. Yeah. Like she, that, this is yeah. all. This is all Hickman's uh, playback back to r- religious uh, iconography mm. is what's going on here. I think. Yeah. I, think. I, I agree with you. Yeah. She, she thinks she's won, and it's that that scream of "I'm actually going to step through the door completely" as the door closes, closes in front of her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just right. Feel, I just that's feel what like, I, and that's oh, exactly what Raceland had wanted. From this beginning to to lure her into doing this. Then, then well, of course, because well, Raceland may not just be Raceland. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe I don't know. That's I, I, you guys. I just no. I hear you. No, it's, I guess it's. I know. I completely understand. Luke, too, I can, it's, it's I, too much. You, yeah. But but I think it's one of those things. I think. I was able to bridge this very quickly because of knowledge about all that stuff was quickly applied to what was going on here. So it bridged all that. I'm going, okay, Hickman, I know where you're going with this. And it allowed me to, me thinking, oh, clever, clever girl. (laughs) You know, is what I'm thinking. And of course. I thought crappy, crappy stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I get it. (laughs) I I get it though, Luke. I get it because honestly, yeah, I get that. I would be in the same place. So the door slams closed and what happens when the door, what's a good way to get everybody out. Let's start having the floor collapse. Yeah, in doubt. Yep. So all this collapsing is happening, uh, and we do get this nice image. Of, you know, wrestling. Dra- you know, has his. Dra- you know, has the dragon arm again. Mm-hmm. Um, this heartbreaking scene where Caramon is like, "Just kill me," and he goes, "No, I'm going to do this once." And you have the juxtaposition. Yeah, there we go. Of Raceland <laughs> physically helping Caramon. I, out. I like that. I like that. Yep. And then you have all this helping, right, of like... Uh, that, uh, that is the only thing keeping me reading this book, is the relation back to Dragons of Winter Night. Right. Yeah. The, the, it's, this story has structure to it. And hey, guess what? Tika's not dead. Yeah, and then... Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we never <laughs> thought that was a thing. And then Taz gets healed. Rayson's going to take time I mean, to yeah, heal yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, not only is Tika not dead, just yeah. kind of bleeding, Yeah, but Taz can be saved. There is, there, their fake-outs on death are, are pretty I, I, pathetic. I, 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 can't uh, stand I agree, it. I agree. Th- there is a comment here that I think we can all appreciate, though, <laughs> is... There is the one the Raceland makes this one little paragraph comment about, I'm going to save you all one last time. And they yeah. keep saving him. Except Tannis. I owe you nothing anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no like because that, he too. repaid him tenfold. <laughs> yes. Earlier. Yes. Hey, guys, we have two chapters Ooh. left. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Are you We're sure? The, I, I can see your notes. Um, yeah, I, was, I was all jazzed about the title. Hand. Actually, yeah, yeah, you're, you're not wrong with that last chapter. Hey, we're in chapter 13. What are you, why are you jazzed about this title? What is the title of chapter 13? Kitiara. <laughs> Tannis searches in vain for Lorana and finally finds her down by some dark, or down some dark ruined hallway. And he calls out some sort of weird word, Quisalis, which is the elven word for beloved. I'm, yeah, I'm ready to skip through a <laughs> Out of this junk. Hey, uh, B- 
babe, beloved, wait up, yeah. beloved, my my girl. Yeah, I mean, like you want my shorty, <laughs> shorty. Where you going? I, this is stupid. Uh, I the, the the again this high school romance stuff that's happening. I want Lorana to have kicked him to the curb and stay there. Yeah, like I I don't like all this. The stuff he says, like Tannis mumbles dumb love crap. Like Lorana, I don't ask you to understand. I don't understand. I don't ask for forgiveness. I can't even forgive myself, said every John that has ever lived. <laughs> wow. and, then, and then as he's confessing this, I would have I was so upset. I was so upset here because as he's doing that, and as he's confessing this to Lorana, no, no, just please just let Kitty Ara disappear. Let her just maybe yeah. get away to come back yeah. and be a baddie some other day. No, she has to walk in as she's going and and, and watch this and see him talking to her. And yep. Soth is like, I'm going to kill him. Right. And she she just kind of like makes up something no, like contrived. You know what? You know, I, I agree like, with no, you. No, that's not her. That's not who no, she has been. Not. No, it no, it's not. It would have been squash them no. both or yep. kill her and maybe I can play with him some more. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, from Seinfeld. Tannis has the Kavorka. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just makes all kinds of women just do weird things. Yeah, I agree. There was part of me, again, sometimes you read a chapter in a weird frame of mind. And so what you're saying, I'm going, yeah. I, in my notes, I'm like, oh, Kiriara is there. Throw down. Like, I remember reading this and going, this going, thinking like, oh, this is kind of exciting. Like, now th they're having a stupid moment that I hate. But now here's Kit. Oh, I hope she stabs somebody. But when you guys are talking about it, you're right. This is all against and type then, and very And then contrived. we have this weird speech about from Kit to Lord Soth as oh, Lord God. Soth yeah. magically produces the crown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, well, he's a ghost, so yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, but we have this speech that is so against the archetype you've set up for Kit here. Yeah. Of the, well, I guess I've already won because he'll always have me in my, he'll always have me in his heart and she has to live with that. Shut up, Kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. No, she doesn't care. That's what makes her so hot. <laughs> <laughs> who, let, who let Hickman into the room at the end of this book? Is what I want to know. Oh wow! Do you think Ooh. that's what happened? For that's sure. true. Yeah. For sure. Well, Be I know I was so on board, like in between the oh, parts wow, where we one. where we knew it was just Weiss. Yeah. And then like we get these. Well, we, we don't these, know we get, that he's we, in here, we don't, but, but we get these weird religious overtones yeah, that we for that had. One. Before. And, but you know what? And I I know he did all like with Sil Silvara. He's kind of the. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but he's kind of the big. Uh, high school romance it seems just, like just, writer and, and yeah so some of this stuff is falling apart yeah, so we're yeah, leaving we're are. leaving the crumbling temple the kit and lord soth have this weird moment of you show me yours i'll show you mine and she that was sees super weird. she sees the she sees <laughs> the like true evil of the death horrors or whatever yeah. <laughs> and then she's gone and then they're gone and yeah. then we're running we out, this and then we're running out of the temple yeah 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 we're running out of the temple well, they, there is this weird thing from Kitty R. I mean, I, I guess I want to give Kitty R her last little lines here. She does say, farewell, half-elven. Remember, I do this for love of you. Now go. And there's, like, tears in her eyes. They talk about her tears in her eyes. Why? Because, again, I think this is finally that cap on, so what does Kitty R feel about Tannis? She's in love with him. Again, they, they drive home that little sappiness at <sighs> the end, which I don't really like. Let, let and then, because then Soth, Soth comes in and says that, that Tannis... Um, uh, still rules Kitty Ara, and then she gets all hard again and says, no, I think not. You know, I mean, 
it's that typical movie kind of trope of it's you gross. know yeah yeah I, I agree I, I agree it's not it's not strong at all and it's not again like what you said totally against Kitty Ara's character for sure yeah totally character. totally against yeah. what we've built her up as for three books now. I agree she I is agree. not the lovesick girl she is no. the power hungry she is the power hungry <laughs> who doesn't care yeah. and she has and she will use she whatever has she just can. lost the crown. Like this is the point where she'd be killing Tannis, yeah, not yeah. pining over his love, but what? Because all of her plans are in ruin at this mm-hmm. point. I, I don't know what she's been struggling with for years is now gone. I don't know, like, I don't like it. Either. Okay, so we keep going. We're running out of the temple, and Tannis has time for some great speeches uh, as we're running out of the temple. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do, I do. You know what? I, I, Luke here. <laughs> I'm still here. Um, I do like that they found the ring. I do like how they found the ring. Like, you know, it's Tass. You know, maybe if Tass was dead and his pouches were, like, riddled. No, well, they think he's dead yeah, because his pouches are there. Yeah, and then, but, like, they find the ring. I like that. That's okay. If I ignore everything else. Well, okay. T- Tannis and Lorana and everybody, they emerge to find everything in chaos. This whole thing. They, they try to drive home this, like... Uh, tagline like I feel like this this was a, a movie they wanted the poster to be like dragons of spring dawning evil turns on itself because they keep wanting to drive home this evil turns on itself mm-hmm. thing so uh, we get a ring we get out Draconians we walk outside and what's, what's, what's standing on and all of a sudden what's standing on the hill we have a big oh, shining light standing on the hill let's go that way because it's light and we just came from dark and yeah I don't know yeah, why they go to it but yeah safe. there you go um, so why, we have, you, why would you do that yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Raislin, uh, Karamon, Taz, uh, Tika, Taz, and Raislin have escaped the temple. Karamon wants to go search for Tannis, and Raislin says he's an idiot. Shows him that light. <laughs> that, um, that's kind of their relationship yeah, in that nutshell. It's Fizbin uh, who who ends up uh, waiting around. And I like I like Raislin's exit here. I do too. Yeah, I like Raceland's exit where he's on Cyan Bloodbane. Yes, he whistles for the dragon. Cyan Bloodbane comes around and everybody goes, "Oh God!" And he goes, "No, he's with me." Okay, can I tell and you? And then just flies no, off. Cool. No, he's with wait. Me. There's one part that happens here that makes me kind of ticked. Caramon, no. Yeah, Caramon says that he wants to go with Raceland. Yeah. And this I, is. I, I, I hate. Uh, I hate this part because that, that has undone every bit of character development you've done. That's exactly what I have. I'm like, Caramon has just been. A bleeding heart for Raceland this entire time, and I finally thought he got some guts. This completely undermines Caramon. It makes him stupid. Like yeah. Caramon instantly becomes like this simpleton who will just no matter yeah. what Raceland ever does to him, like oh, I love but, you, Raceland. But, but he my like, brother. I, yeah, I, yeah. I love my brother. Yeah, I, I love my brother. There, there's a, yeah. there's yeah. a difference I agree. between there's a difference between all that and. And just being What's a rag, yeah. just being a rag. But for you. Right. At, at least I would have been more upset if Raceland would have been like, "Yeah, okay, get on." Mm. Yeah, I agree. But at least oh, Raceland shuts God. him down. And is like, "No, nah, I'm gonna go do evil stuff. You don't yeah. want to be." But I just hate. I what hated was that, that, that meme after Avengers came out where it's uh, the Hulk and Iron Man and the Corvette like get in. We're gonna go do, go do nerd stuff. Like, pop <laughs> yeah, yeah. on. We're gonna go do evil yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 You don't want to be here. I'm gonna do evil stuff. Uh, we got we got to live our own. No, it's totally. Removes the legitimacy of all these like emotional moments I've had actually reading this book. You know, you know what it's been is I'll tell you it has there is no character arc now for Caramon. What absolutely. that moment absolutely. has done absolutely. is is from from Dragons uh, uh, of Autumn Twilight to this book, Caramon has not changed one iota. No. If if you're if if I thought he had. But this moment shows that he is still simple. Like yeah. he, it was talked, and I thought that he was not. 
I pointed at Paul and said simple. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a little, <laughs> Paul's really He does the voice. Paul's really He does sorry, the voice, guys. but Paul, you are not simple. To be, to, be fair, to be fair, that's also why you gesture towards me half the time when you're yelling at Tannis. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's amazing what happens when you do I the voice. I hate Tannis. Anyway, let's let's wrap this but, book up. Man. All right, so we, we, we got, we, whole, we, we, we got we, we, a few more Taz things. and Fizzman. Yep. Taz, yes. Taz, Taz and Fizzbin, we have the whole, like, he's, you know, you guys were such good, you know, you will never be without Flint. Flint will always live in your heart, be acid. Yeah. You and I can still be friends because even, even when Taz, but aren't you, like, a god? And he's like, doesn't mean I can't have friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, uh, Fizzbin does this entirely stepping through the fourth wall, I feel, where he says, oh, I set the stage, lad, Fizzbin said. Kind yes. Of yeah. I didn't give you a script. The dialogue has all been yours. And then I love this last part because he says, uh, must say, I could have improved it a bit here and there, but then, uh, never mind. And, uh, you know what? That's <laughs> kind of what I feel. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, like, like right before that, it's kind of like a tee wink, wink. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. You, I don't. I, <laughs> I see. This was this was again a moment where I you, again you guys saw him Gandalfian. I saw him as the little guy from the yeah. cartoon. Right. This was the moment where it, it was definitely the little guy from the cartoon. You're like, <laughs> well, you know, it was quite an adventure. <laughs> we could have changed some things. <laughs> But it was still quite an adventure. Maybe next time I'll write better. As, he, as, he's, as, as, as he's looking into the, ca- yes. into the camera. Into the camera. Maybe next time I'll, I'll write better. Wink. Ding. Ding. And then yes. it fades right to the, the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's almost like, yeah, they knew the writing wasn't great. Uh, so, and so they're going to have some more goodbyes. Yep. Taz is going to go to Kendermore. Caramon's going to go back to Solace to rebuild. Uh, Tika. Tannis is just, comp- I have just ego tripping and says, Lorana, before either of us even knew what true love or commitment meant, it now means a great deal to me, Lorana. In the dream, this ring brought me back from the dark minute. Blah, blah, blah. Shut up, Tannis. And I love this. Hands the ring to her and she chucks it. And I wish this is where it would have ended. Yes, like, well, screw please. you, Tannis. And if you you're know, paying attention here, too, this is just, it's, I don't know if it's Weiss or Hickman. It's probably Hickman because I've had more problems with Hickman. But as he's doing this whole speech about this ring has brought me back to you, there's a couple little notes in here about like the temple falling in the background and there's explosions going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yes, like, exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> the fall I, of Rome. Because you need fireworks. Tannis is playing his pity violin while Rome burns. Um, but <sighs> I, I, I just... Again, going back to, does this ring mean anything? I mean, she throws the ring over the cliff. Again, it's wrapped up with that dragon. And I, I don't, well, it's not wrapped oh, up with the ring anymore. anymore. But again, I, I don't get what the meaning of any of that was. Because, uh, yeah, you no, know, he comes off of it, and Pyrite comes off, and Fizzbin rides it off. Well, that's, that's right? how they got out of yeah, it, the temple. Right, okay, the, that's what yeah, happened. Yeah. Right. I, I, at this point, I'm just taking it as something of, you know, okay, it's an ancient elven ring. Maybe <laughs> there's some, like, weird elven magic to it. Yeah, and right. The dragon know. likes to curl up on the on the warmth of the magic when he was in the Kinder's pouch. Right, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll make I'll we, make we up can, something. Yeah. So we yeah. get we get through the end here. The the temple like you said explodes, but both uh um all, what I like this is both gods then appear back into the stars. I did right? like that. That was good. But the god of neutrality they make this note about saying there's a god of neutrality mm-hmm. of scales in the balance between the two of them. And I'm, again, I'm saying about how I write these notes in what yeah. do I know just now. Is that God of balance, that God of neutrality, 
right? Is that is that um, Astinus? I don't no. think so. No, because, no, because that constellation would have been missing earlier. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And we jump to and we jump to the no. He is he's, he's a servant. Uh, Astinus is a servant of the gods. I didn't even mm. go with a servant of the gods. I just went with like an entirely different entity. Right. And again, yeah. I'm or, or, I, or I kind of, of lesser. I'm, I'm throwing that out there, knowing the answer to the question. But again, in my mind, as I'm reading it, I'm going, okay, we've met only really three things that we know are gods. Yeah. Right. And or, or that we think are odd. And Astinus was one of them. And they kind of weirdly shine a light on this neutrality thing. You know, I'm going, oh, okay. So is is Astinus the one arbitrating between? But the that, two that, of them? that was the that was the alignments back then. There are only three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was it lawful, neutral, and chaos? Chaos. That was it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we jump, we get through all this, we jump into the homecoming. Palanthas, a Raceland approaches the Tower of High Sorcery. He pulls down the tatters of this robe, uh, which I guess is still in existence after 300 years again. Magic. <laughs> and the only one who knows he's there is um, Astinius. A wraith, a wraith appears to go, hey. Uh, yeah, I kind of like this. this, this <laughs> yeah. The, the ra- I don't mind this wraith thing. I just, I just, like, kinda... I just like Claude's description of it. That's a ra- wraith says, hey. hey. I mean, it's evil and cool. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's evil. okay. He's evil, but he's cool. It's, yeah, it's evil and cool. I mean, I don't know. And, of course, what would a Dragonlance novel be without ending on a poem called Raceland's Farewell? My notes just say, a poem from Raceland to Caramon. I tried. I failed. <laughs> Listeners explain this poem. Yeah, I don't, like, why, like, why would Raceland write a poem? Okay, I'm I'm even gonna go. Okay, so we know that Raceland and Caramon are the two strongest characters in this. You're gonna end on a poem, I guess, arbitrarily written from Raceland to Caramon. This poem, it should be heartfelt, I guess. This makes no sense. I don't even know what this poem is about. And so we get here. We've had two songs that we actually kind of enjoyed. Yeah. So we need to throw one on on the end that we just go, what? <laughs> but you look at, I, I read that last stanza and it kind of was the, it almost felt to me like uh, Weiss or Hickman or whoever wrote, or M- Michael McDonald, whoever <laughs> Michael, Michael Williams. <laughs> Michael Williams. <laughs> Michael Williams was trying to do this little like weird Midsummer Night's Dream pan thing at the end of this whole like if these spirits here have offended think of us and we are amended you know this whole like well if you don't understand then ask Tannis because Tannis will explain it all to you of course Tannis will explain (laughs) okay you know what I I, again and I gotta go with just Oh boy, this is so tough because when we started this podcast, I've always wanted to get authors on here eventually. <laughs> we are never getting Michael Williams on here. Uh, That's but, okay. But this, I'm a beat man. Uh, this, this, the pretension of this, like a lot of this stuff has just been so pretentious. I mean, we got a guy with a literature degree. All of us are in the realm of education. Um, and, and here we end up, he, what he says at the end, I just can't take it. He says, I tried to sound Shakespearean here. Here, but ended up more like Browning. Oh, okay, I can see that. What? I, no, that's no, no, no. Um, of the that, worst. No, guy. no, it's it's. This is not Browning. It's no, it's uh, <laughs> what? It, no, it's it, he's, but he's sounding more like Browning. It's okay. going from the aspect of I, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to write a comic book like Stanley, and I wanted to have illustrations like Jack Kirby. 
and I ended up with a kindergartner's drawing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, because he says Browning, uh, Mr., not Mrs., uh, is what he said. But yeah, oh man, um, I, when I read that, I'm like, hey, at least he admits that he was trying to shoot for something great and really fell far from He the does mark. do that. That's, uh, that's really how I would read that. He does do that through a lot of the annotations, uh, kind of claiming that his poetry isn't great. I do kind of have that feeling, kind of stepping outside the world that you, you got Weiss and Hickman who were like working for TSR and they're like, can you guys write? Okay, write. And the one guy was like, I can do poetry, kinda. Hey, I, I just recorded a, a rap EP. <laughs> so we get to the end here. Yeah. We have Raceland's song. Raceland has summed up that, you know, I'm out to do bad things because darkness is cool. As the book ends. Huzzah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're here. I mean, like as negative as I've been towards the end of this, I uh I'm kinda sad to be here. We're at the end of volume three of the original Dragonlance trilogy here. Wow. The end of Dragons of Spring Dawning. Let's go around the round table here. Let's talk about our final thoughts, do some final ratings for this volume three, Dragons of Spring Dawning. Paul, where are you sitting, my friend? Wow, so the final book. It's a little bittersweet. This is my last book for a little while. And honestly, once again, I'm gonna be that person that Dragonlance fans will probably agree with because you're fans of it and so am I. Are there things in this book I did not like? Yes. I really don't care about the Sea Elves. I'm sorry. I could care less. But book one of this book, as weird as that is to say, I liked. I really liked it. Book three. I really liked book three as well. I can forget book two and just move on. That that is what I am doing with this with my review here. Is I am pretty much just forgetting about book two. I liked the character buildup and watching some of the characters change. Once again, I am forgetting some chapters on purpose for myself. Overall, I would recommend this book. I won't say highly recommend it. I'm only going to give this four. Tardises out of five. Clob, what about you? Well, kids, your old Uncle Clob is a little distraught at the end of this book. I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look at this book in a singularity right now and not look at it as the entire trilogy. Spring Dawning, there were parts here that I was into, I absolutely loved. As we talked about at the end of Winter Night, there were things there that I loved, things that I hated, things that I didn't want to go through. I keep coming back to the fact that this is a Dungeons and Dragons book. It, this whole this whole idea of we finally have a book here where everybody's playing. Everybody who's playing these characters at the table is playing. Every character here does something. I enjoy that. I enjoy that we have something for every character to do other than Lovejoy, Rivermoon. I, I, they laughed. I was happy with that. I'm looking at this third book here, and as I'm saying this right now, I'm looking at the cover art. And the cover art uh, has, you know, Raceland in his red robes and Caramon and then Tika in the back row in her sexy armor. And I just keep thinking that I liked the ride through book three. 
I liked where things happened. I liked the fact that we got more character arc from a lot of the ca- characters. The characters grew immensely in this book where they didn't grow in a lot of other books. And I like Raceland's arc here at the end where Raceland is not who you want your hero to be, who you, he's not who you want your protagonist to be. And a lot of his character growth took place not in the book. He just shows up at different times and, hey, stuff happened to me. And I'm kind of okay with that. And so as we look at Spring Dawning here, I'm going to go with three nights in Kitiara's hotel room out of five. <laughs> I'm choosing to ignore the last couple snippets of Kitiara and just go with her. Go with her right now. Like I said, three out of five nights in her hotel room. Honey, I'm in. Give me a call. Luke, how are you feeling, my young Padawan? Uh, the, you know, I don't know. Dragons of Spring Dawning, Volume 3. It started so strong. I, I cannot deny that. I was so excited to be in this book when we first started it. And it just, it started on a peak and just dove downward for me. I cannot... I said this in either our last podcast or the podcast before that. It's the ending of a story that will make or break it for me. It's broken for me. I got nothing. I would not recommend this book to a friend. At all. Like, it's... all these You have all these strong character arcs coming into it, and they just get higher in as you are in part one of volume... <sighs> as you are in book one of volume three... And they're getting stronger and stronger, and then they just nosedive. I don't know what happens. I don't know why it happens. But I mean, I I, I can barely give it a one out of five. Bob, why don't you uh, take us out of here on a higher note? Wow, I can't believe that I'm the one that has to take us out of here on a higher note. <laughs> this is <laughs> so weird. Neither I'm, can we. Uh, yeah, we're unbe- all a little amazed. I will. I mean, like, I, I, Bob, I will. I will give you your moment to speak. Yeah. Go, go the, for it. the ending will, I, I said it before, it will ruin. Yeah. It will absolutely ruin anything for me. Wow. You, have to, you have to tie it up. You right. have, you have, I to, hear you. have to do something with it. Yep. The right. Bob, get up on the soapbox. What do you got to say? No, I don't have a soapbox, believe me. Um, I mean, I've, I've always been uh, the person who's been probably the harshest on these books. Um, and I've continuously had so many gripes. Um, against um, not the characters necessarily in the book. And if, if it came across that way, um, a lot of times I found myself in Dragons of Autumn Twilight and, win- and Winter Night. The writing to me had so many problems that instead of interpreting what the characters were doing and being mad at character things, I was mad at writers and decisions being made. When I come to this book, Spring Dawning, so much of what I had griped about was fixed for me. I thought the narrative was tighter, the plot points were tighter. Like I'd said in the last podcast, I felt that there was other eyes that were on this streamlining things. Spring Dawning to me feels like the tightest of the three books that we have read. And because it's fixed so many problems for me, I find myself now, instead of being angry at 
decisions being made on like a corporate level or within the mechanics of the book, I find myself just being angry with things characters are doing. I'm now in the book. Um, and so for that, uh, it's a much bigger thing. Luke, I hear you on the problems. For me, the big issues are, again, Weiss and Hickman have issues with realism a lot of times, uh, yelling things on decks of ships. The elves are always a problem to me. They're always written poorly and are just kind of a boring part of the book. And I'm with you, Luke. At the end here, there are a lot of things that happened with Tachesis and everything else that need to have been explained in earlier books that were not. Um, but I, I thought this was the best uh, narratively out of the three. Karamon is a thing that should have broken it for me. For you, the Takisa stuff was the breaking point. For me, it was Karamon and the fact that he got no arc with that last little bit. Um, but that being said, everything else has been such a high point for me. I am going to go with 3.5 glowing hair encrusted chest gems <laughs> out of five. I reserve fours and fives. We have a lot of books to cover. I am reserving four and five for something that has, a five is no issues whatsoever. I can't go any higher than a 3.5. 3.5. You had 3.5, Bob? 3.5 <laughs> on this one. All right, all right, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, close out talking about volume three, and I guess let's just kind of Let's talk about the Dragonlance uh, Trilogy. Dragonlance Chronicles Trilogy. What, what are our final thoughts? Well, it's very clear that all of us are in very different places. <laughs> At here. the end of this, yeah. Well, actually, yes. I'm sorry. I, I feel like I'm on an island and you guys are soaking up, you know, <laughs> the on, on the shore of the continent. Uh, let's talk about the entire trilogy. Yeah, because we should. I feel like if we can talk about the entire trilogy now, our final thoughts, maybe... We can rectify some of that. Yeah, it's a little, a little bit more freeform here, though. Let's not just stand on a... Yeah. I'll, I'll even start. All right. You look... One of the things that really kind of made... I recommended every book. I recommended every book at different levels. Mm. Yeah, you did. And a lot of what I'm thinking at this point, after reading the entire trilogy, goes back to what Paul has said throughout this entire thing. As Paul said throughout this entire thing, that he's reading this... As a kid, mm. he's trying. I'm. I have a ten year old. Mm. I'm actually really excited for next year right. when he gets into sixth grade, and I feel he can handle some of the uh, boot scenes and some of the other. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. yep. To give him this because he yeah. loves fantasy. He loves uh, Rick Riordan. He right. loves uh, you know uh, J.K. Rowling. He's yep. loved all of that stuff that he's gone through. I'm actually really excited for to give him this. Yeah. Right. And I think that, that, that's really where like this this, this group comes together, you know. Um, right. I, I don't have any kids. I, that you know of. No, <laughs> no, sir. I do not have any kids. Um, no, no. It's uh, it's a different perspective. I, yeah. Uh, you know, I just you know I watch movies because I want to watch movies. I read books because I want to read books. Except for when I'm doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paul, you you look at books. You know, like you you. You tried to like this, yeah. Right. Is, I, I, is that what I'm getting from you? Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I came in. I I came into this book honestly with my professional. I'm going to look at this and the whole trilogy. Teacher, yeah. the whole trilogy. The whole yeah, trilogy. The yeah, entire the thing. Tri Sorry, the whole yeah. trilogy. I I looked at it as would I recommend this to a student of mine? Yeah. And it was yeah. Is there some things that aren't perfect? Yeah, but 
You know, right. when you're trying to find a book for somebody that might not like reading, maybe this book will do it. That, that could be it. And yeah, I, right. actually, to, to rebound off. So of, that's what I want. With. Yeah, to rebound off of what you just said there. I, professionally, I work in technology. Yeah. yeah. I, ones and zeros, man. Right. And it's, oh, even even as like a trilogy as a whole, yeah. Spring Dawning would ruin it for me. Right. I, I don't know that I could like. God, even if, even, I, I know so many people who play Dungeons and Dragons. I know right. so many people who would probably like this, yeah. but I don't want to put my, my, my name on it. Right, right. I would no, never. I, I would never. And I understand where you're coming from on that. And, you know, going back to something I said when I was doing my, when I was doing the Volume 3 review that I did too, I always try to find the one character, even if it's something I'm not agreeing with or even if it's something I don't like, mm -hmm. whether it's movies or books or anything else, I try to find something to glom onto. I so badly in that first book wanted to glom onto Tannis. Yeah, I did too. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember even kind of backing Tannis and, and kind of being against Raceland, and boy, how that's like, exactly that was what I said that. at the end of the last episode. Was, I want to know what Tannis does. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't care because you yeah. ruined it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I look at these things, and even if it's something that I don't agree with or I don't necessarily like, I always try to, whether it's the book, the movie, uh, the comic book, anything like that, I always try to glom on to that character. And I wanted to glom onto Tannis, like I said, and I really, yeah. you know, I wanted Tannis to be my Aragon. Yeah. I wanted Tennis to be my strider from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah I do too. And I, I think th that's what they're going for. I, think I honestly think that's I think what we they went for. I remember uh, backing up Tannis. Like being, I, I like Tannis. I don't like Raceland. Oh, man, how does the tide turn? Wow, has the tide turned. And I, I don't, did, did you ever like Tannis? I don't know that you did. I don't know that I, the I think in the, the beginning first, of this I did. Book. You yeah. wanted to. I wanted to. Because wanted, they, we they all did. We all did. We thought he was our hero. They were set up as the archetypes. And I'm like, okay, this is our leader, uh, the, you know, and he's a, yeah. a half elf and he's old, and this is going to be the guy, the Strider. Exactly yeah, yeah, what you strider. said. This is exactly what I thought. And maybe that's why I would constantly rail so much against his stupid decisions, mm -hmm. is because this was not Strider. No. This is who I thought I was getting, and he was not living up to any of my expectations. Maybe if I had had none and been like, oh, he's a horribly flawed character which could have been good maybe that'd be okay you know i don't but know. I, I i i not when your party can't call it out there sure. like For it sure. needed to be other people saying wow are you horrible and there need to be struggle there and there just isn't any either and i think a part of that is why even with everything else that was going on i think all four of us glommed onto raceland right um, even uh, part of that had to do with a bunch of the information we got from all of you out there listening, talking about Raceland. Oh, yeah. Right. Even, even not just Raceland, just Caramon and Raceland. Yes. That, that relationship yeah. was so strong to me. And it, it, it had such an impact on me. Like what I said, like it had an emotional effect on me. Right. It really did. Like I, like, I mean, like I almost cried. Right, right. But at the end of this book, at the end of volume three, it was just ruined. And I can't stand by something. Right, that is ruined like that. And I, gotta, I, 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 I cannot stand by. I've got, I've got to bring this up because I think this is this makes no sense to even me, uh, and I'm trying to process this as I'm talking about it even. But when I look back at the entire trilogy, although I didn't recommend the first book, and kind of gave my strongest recommend to the third book, the third book is the tightest for me narratively. Really, but is the most empty for me. Yeah. It's of the whole trilogy. Like, there's kind of this, even though it's the most finessed, 
and the one who I can't cite as it's, many problems was, with writing. edited better. It's edited far better, and the narratives, no what, what, what's happening no in it is better. There seems to be a lack of heart. My favorite of the three books, although not recommended, is Autumn Twilight. No way. I can't no believe way. I'm saying yes. Yes, because then when, when I'm not recommending it, like you said about perspectives, right? Okay. Yeah. When I'm going back and saying, I, I want to create a podcast where we're recommend where we're recommending books, <laughs> right? I cannot stand behind kind of the travesty that some of the writing and plot points of Autumn Twilight was, and to a yeah. general audience who listens to this podcast, who will hear me on what I will would think are like five star books, say read this book, this is awesome. And then they go back and hear Dragons of Autumn Twilight, and I'm going, and five stars, guys, read this. Yeah. There is way too many problems there. But at the same time, that's the one that felt that kind of unbridled energy of two authors who don't know what they're doing and are trying to get their ideas down on paper. And the things that, when I think of Dragonlance, I immediately think of stuff that happened in Solace. I think of Pax Tharkis. I think of the stuff that happened in that first book with fondness and, and, and kind of love. Whereas the the later book, and then for sure this last book, feel a little bit more devoid of that fondness and love, you know? Which makes no sense to me. How I cannot recommend yeah, it, recommend the other one, weird. but how my fondness for them are reversed. Like, well, I could see myself reading Autumn Twilight a few more times before I'm dead and probably never really reading Spring Dawning again. Never going through the whole trilogy to get to that book. <laughs> you know? But weird. Bob and Luke, both of you, I think that speaks to the universe. Yeah. More, than, ju more than just looking at the authors. Yes, the More than looking at the strong. authors yes. and the writing. The universe has such depth, and the universe and appeal, and appeal. Yeah, and we're fans of the universe, right. and we're 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 fans of being there in any of this, you know, sword and boot and armor yeah. stuff. We 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 want to believe, right? We and and that I think speaks to a lot of our criticisms. Yes, is that we are so impassioned that we want to believe. And we want yeah. to understand. And that's why when we got to the end with Raceland, I really had this Mordo feel for him Mordo. from the old from the yeah. old Doctor Strange comics. Yeah. Where yeah. he was part of the hero group for a while and then he's railed against everything because he doesn't believe in it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I like the fact that we we get to the end of this, and really, who should we be following, which is who the Dragonlance community out there, where you guys told us from the beginning, was, screw everybody else, watch Raceland. Right. It's it's amazing to me, even thinking back to the, uh, my original comments on the, the first book, yeah, where I'm kind of railing against Raceland and going, I don't understand why the community likes this guy so much. Now I now get it. Now you see it. Every, every, besides Lorana, a lot of these are pre pretty weak characters. They don't they don't have a lot of, yeah. I mean, Gold Moon, Riverwind, they're pregnant off somewhere. They've never been strong. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you know, good. Good. They should have left a long good. time. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, Raceland, at the died. end of all this, Raceland, Caramon, those are the two people that are the strongest. And they, Tannis, get, they, get, they get such a misservice at the end. They do. Oh, that. You know, I, I really can't articulate enough what a horrible decision. Just that last line. Yes. One line for Caramon just ruins everything. And had, uh, they, had they not had that line had they not had that line and just had Raceland leave 
If they would have flipped it and had Caramon saying like, go, you know, like, like, like finally stand up to his brother and yeah. say, you go and, yes. and, and be this magician. I have her. Yeah. You're I have to, you are finally strong enough. I don't have to take care of you anymore. Yes. And that, that was a thing too. That, that would have been so good. Yeah. Now that yes. you say that, that would have been so yeah. good. That is because he was just like, well, my brother needs me. And then like at the end, that was a thing. Like, I don't need you. Like, yeah. For sure. This is not the Silver Nasty Dream and I do not need you. Yeah. And then he just, okay. That's strength. And, and, and then Raceland's like waiting for him. Like, well, let's go, Caravan. Yes. No, I don't need. No, I don't yes. need you no. anymore. Yes. That would have. Yes. That, that would have completely changed. That would have fixed it all. I, no, you don't need me. And I think. I think <laughs> no, Luke, that would have changed. <laughs> Sorry, do that again. <laughs> no, you don't need me. There you go. Luke. And I think Luke that would have maybe not flipped your opinion. But at least yeah. would have. It was a big problem for me at the end yeah, of this. Yeah, I, 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 I would, it would have given it like I mean like one more point yeah. out of five, which is because I mean I'll tell you, defend two. it. I mean, uh, li listeners, write in your <laughs> write in your opinions. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like I, I don't know how you can defend that Caramon has any arc that now strips no. Caramon of any arc. He is the exact same character, no matter what he's gone through. Same character from. From the first book to the last book, he has not changed. He changed. He is still pining after his brother. He slept with Tika. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't. No, we don't. No, no, no. We don't. He doesn't know. remember it. But he doesn't remember it, so it never happened. Maybe if he would have remembered <laughs> sleeping with Tika, that would have done something. Maybe. For him. Yeah. It would not. Have. It would not. Have. He would still would have had, like, starting low, going high, and immediately yeah. going from high to low. Yep. That's an arc. Yep. That's a cliff. Exactly. A character arc is not that you went through a bunch of stuff and had some ideas in the middle, right? Like, you end at a different place than where you started. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is one of Michael Williams's parabolas. We've just arced from the same same place to the, yeah, the no. next. It's, I, not, it's, it's not good. Well, hey, you guys... I don't, we're, we, we can sit here and we can just you know, ponder upon the Dragonlance Chronicles. Or we can talk about what's coming next. We can, yeah, we, which, we, we can grow as a podcast. Yes. Which, and let's have our own character arc. Yes, yes. Let's, have our, <laughs> let's have our own character arc where we are actually going to kill off a character. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> we have the guts to kill off a character. All right, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I will say I am really looking forward to listening now. You know, I've been on the side where I've... I'm still waiting for you to like the Facebook page, Paul. Red <laughs> have, have I not liked the Facebook not? page? No, <laughs> no you have right. I will have you're, to. You're, like not, you're not a big social media guy. I won't fault you for that. <laughs> All right. Well, I will have to like the Facebook page now that I'm no longer on the on the podcast That's for a little while. So, I I'm looking forward to reading Red Rising and listening to the review. I have not read it yet. Yeah. I have I have no information about Red Rising yet. I know. Yeah, I'm kind of the uh, as Bob was our. Shepherd into the uh, Dragonlance Chronicles yeah. world. I am the shepherd into the Red Rising world. Yes. So, listeners, I am right there with you guys for the next three episodes. I yeah, there was. And don't worry, folks, boys and girls, because even though we're changing shepherds, your loving Uncle Claw will still be here for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luke, Claw, Bob will still be here. Yeah. Oh, we, we, honestly, thanks, man. Thank you for coming and hanging out. Oh, it's yeah. been fun. It's, it's, it's been, been so great, much fun. Hey, appreciate you know it. What? Uh, we, have, we have Red Rising coming up. Please, by all means, go to Facebook. Go to Twitter. 
talk to us. We want to have that conversation with you. We've had some great conversations already using the social media. Yes. Let's keep right. that running. Let's keep that going. Um, even if you're brand new to any of these series, even if you're brand new to just listening to four guys sit in a room and ramble on about <laughs> yeah. books. And thank you. Right. And thank hey, you. Uh, go, go, to, go to our website. Check out our calendar. Uh, it's going to actually even keep changing. We're going to project things all the way out till next Christmas. Yes. So we've got some big things coming. Uh, we started out with Dragonlance. We're going into Red Rising. We've got Philip K. Dick coming. Uh, we, we've got Rob Robert Jordan. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff. We're coming back next summer to, to come back to Dragonlance. And then finally, next next Chris, by next Christmas. Oh, Bobby, you're so excited. For I, I can't not say anything about it. Finally, Star Wars. We are going to do Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy. I'm giddy already, and it's over a year away. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> December 2018. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's that, that. Actually, that is the end of the current running Star Wars trilogy. Exactly. It'll be great because we'll see three movies dealing with after after Return of the Jedi, yes. and we'll be reading the three books that originally spelled out what happened after that movie. And folks, keep listening. Keep checking your apps. Keep looking at things because at, we're still here. We're going to be here. There's a bunch of new content that's going to come out here at Some the end of October. Bonus the beginning content. Of, yes, the be, end of October, the beginning of November. And we will keep rolling through. And again, thank you for all the love. Keep it coming. If you like us, throw that five-star review on iTunes for us or whatever device you happen to have. Yeah, or hey, if you disagree with me, Luke. <laughs> uh, I love that you're in the position now. <laughs> I, I have no idea what happened. That is this, awesome. This trilogy has been so weird. But hey, you know what, you guys? I have the tip in my hand. Why don't we settle up our tab? Oh my gosh. Let's settle up our tab. Let me pick these coins yeah, up off the that. floor. Guys, let's settle up our tab. Get the heck out of here. You know what? I think I have the Falcon out back. It's covered up in a tarp. And jumping in. Get out into the atmosphere. Some hey, let's get hey, to some sci-fi. Yeah. You guys have to find a Hey, I tell you what, um, honey, come here. My my buddy's got a ship up. Do you guys have any galactic credits? Uh, there are stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeons and Dweebs. There's even more adventuring to be had at our website, dungeonsanddweebs.com. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at dungeonsanddweebspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find Dungeons and Dweebs on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Find all those links at dungeonsanddweebs.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. The music for Dungeons and Dweebs is Fatal Fight by Royalty Free Kings. and can be found on their website, royaltyfreekings.com. Dungeons and Dweebs is a Tim Gilbert Media production. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. And no part of this show can be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the express written permission of Tim Gilbert Media. 